And you just, well, and then once the, you're married, you'd be like, hey, I've already, I've already put a big deposit you, down. You are assuming I've committed that to I this. have money. You're assuming that I have money to commit to this trip and this relationship, and I have neither. Credit cards. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got debt. You know, you're gonna be yeah. you're gonna be paying. You're always you're gonna be paying debt. bills the rest of your life. You might as well. You know, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. I need serious do you want to do it that's that's more of the question not is it actually if money was feasible a, if money wasn't an option wedding smart. wasn't an option <laughs> would it be something that you want to do if you say no you don't want to hunt moose in alaska obviously just, just obviously it's something i want to do i, I think i'm so talking I've, what i want to do is like a seven to ten day they drop you off in the bush and then they come pick you up Oh, I've watched some fucking YouTube videos of that, and it's wild. Exactly. And it's also the only like time they come, grand. they they bring the plane back is if you have any medical emergency or they're yeah. coming to pick up a moose. Just yeah, bring it in, bring mm-hmm. it in. I'm, I'm having right. all, I'm having all of that. If I shoot a moose, I'm probably going to have a medical emergency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't be able to make down. the call. I won't be able to make the call to bring the plane in because I'll be dead. Yeah. Well, well how about this? Think about it. Cause okay. Okay. I'm gonna get serious about it in probably the next three <laughs> to six months. I'm gonna seriously like if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna book it. Usually, you don't have to put a, every. I, I actually started looking it up, sending some some requests on pricing and stuff. But every every place I looked up, it was like a five to seven hundred dollar deposit, and then you have to have half paid up a year before, and then you pay the rest of it the, like the week before you you show up. How so much does it I end have... up being? What? How much does it end up being? Depends on what you want to do. So that's why so I want some I final have... pricing. I have heard that it's it's probably by time airplane fare licensing um you're, you're probably looking anywhere from like six to ten grand okay but again I saw, if, I'm, if I you're doing it, it five like six years down that. the road what's that large size. i thought it was like Oof. double that if you're, like so i'm grand. i'm talking going unguided oh jesus yeah. fuck so they drop you off in an area where there's moose and you yeah. literally you don't go with a guide you you go by yourself and you hunt within a mile, two miles from your base yeah. camp. Because you've got to be able to pack that moose back to where the plane's picking you up. Yeah. We, we, we so have it's to a do lot like cheaper some... when you do it unguided, but they put you in the area where there's moose. So yeah. it'd be five, six years of reading and studying and learning what the fuck you do yeah. Yeah, to hunt would, moose. But we'd have to start like start like packing out whitetails and stuff like that. Like we're, we were so fucking spoiled. That's what I'm saying. To, like, I want to do it. <laughs> we like pull the truck yeah. right up to the deer or, or, or drive yeah. a four wheeler back to the deer and drag it out or maybe drag it out by hand every now and then. But like with a moose, you ain't dragging nothing. Like you're quartering mm-hmm. it out and you're hiking it out. So and that's why like, you need to have like three to four guys on this trip because you're you can't go with, like two guys. You got to have enough guys that can break that moose down, pack yeah. it and carry it back. And even then though, the Steve Rinella one, like they had to make multiple trips to get that moose back too, which is only like, it was like 900 yards, I think he said. But that moose was so big and they had like four of them, they still had to make a second trip to go back to the kill site to get more meat. Yeah, to, I, to I remember back. listening to the story that we listened to last year that was like, it was the same thing. It wasn't that far from their base camp, but like yeah. it was a real chore just getting mm-hmm. that thing in and out. But like we we'd have to start practicing that now. Like like I'm game one. Like quartering out a moose is no joke. Right. Like just just quartering them out, hiking it out, the physical aspect of it. That's a whole different 
animal. Like you just gotta you gotta train for it. You gotta be physically ready to be able to move heavy shit over long distances. But the other part of that is knowing. I mean, my God, like all we've ever really cleaned out was white is whitetail. So. Like gutting a moose, my god, gutting it, quartering it, skinning it. Like, there's a whole art to that, and like, you got to re be, you know, pretty well versed on some of that stuff. I think, like, it may be a like an elk hunt or something like that, might be like a start, like, like that might be a good intermediate, like the moose hunt being the big objective, right? Being being like Alaskan moose on your own, but like maybe Alaska or maybe like a Montana or Wyoming elk hunt kind of in between or a Colorado elk hunt in between just to kind of get our, you know, that upland feel of, of hiking hills and mountains and calling. And it's just a, it's a different style of hunting than we're used to. We're tree stand hunters, you know what I'm saying? Like Midwest whitetail hunters. Here's the problem though. It's going to take so long to save for this trip. It's not like I got that kind of money laying around to where like, if you're going to do it, you got to, I've got a plan five, six years out and I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. Five, six years. I'm going to be 42. Jesus. So I'm going to be retired. So yeah, I'm, I'm game. I'm in. You're going to be 48, almost 50. Like you're going to be trumping through the swamp in Alaska. That's what I'm saying. If we're going to do God it, willing, God willing, I'm, we can't I'm fuck around I'm in, for the I'm, next five years and be like, Oh, let's go in five more years. And then you're fucking 55. I'm hoping that I'm <laughs> I'm in that good of shape to be able to. Oh, well, Steve Renero, Steve Renella is older than I am, and he does that shit. He's been doing this shit since he's he been like doing 20. this shit his whole life, and the dude eats super clean and is yeah. uh, in in impeccable shape. It sounds so like it's a good like, way to get put on his close encounters, close calls <laughs> book, like because we're talking bears. And there's shit goddamn out grizzlies. There. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying, man. Like without a guide. Uh, uh, here's here's my bold prediction: five year bold prediction. I'm fucking doing it. So if y'all want to join me, let me know. I'm in. They're like, what well, makes you feel like you can handle this? Oh, well, you know, like, we got the, the coyotes out here, you know. It's- <laughs> yeah, we got that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, if we're making bold predictions, you know, I might as well just keep adding on to these bold predictions, these stupid-ass bold predictions I made this year. I might as well add that 151 one. 151 in Doesn't clock. matter. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to shoot, uh, I'm gonna shoot a world record moose. Do you have a plan for that? that? Do you have a plan for that 150 inch buck yet? Plan for what? Shoot it. How to kill it? Yeah, like shoot it and kill it. Like you're not gonna just buy one. Get in the woods. Like like a ranch or something. No, 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 no. It's gonna be a natural. It's gonna be a natural hunt, man. It's just gonna be me and the stick and string. Michigan. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really. I don't use a beverage if you have more beverages. Beverages. So when are we musky fishing? Uh, yes. Sure. What are you guys doing this week? Can we get the podcast rolling? Hunting. First it's we'll, we'll the talk opening. About this. It's opening weekend of bow season. It's also prime <laughs> musky fishing. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What time we got? It's seven oh eight. Seven oh eight. Let's go. Jason got a bedtime. What tonight. are we doing for the snort? I don't know. Did you bring a snort? We're gonna snort some cocaine. It sounds like you're not doing shit. <laughs> Snorting eight balls. Is that a yeah. silver bullet? <laughs> oh yeah, we he he jumped off the Miller Light 
Oh man, we we jumped off that one with a quickness. I was, I was like Steve one day. Ranella, I was, was Steve Ranella Jr. for one week. I was never on the train. I got hit by the train, and now I'm back up and rolling. Yeah, yeah. Steve Ranella uh, totally sold me on Miller Lite because he plugs it every 17 seconds. They paid him probably to. millions of dollars. They paid him millions so. of dollars to be able to plug that, and I was like, you know what, Miller Lite, why not? It's got less calories, according to Steve Ranella. So it's, got 90 yeah, it, calories. it's probably and got like one calorie less than Corey Light. No wonder he's in such good shape. He drinks more light. It's got. Uh, <laughs> he's it, very it has, hydrated. It has less <laughs> less calories and 100 percent more gut rot. So <laughs> yeah, we we're back on the Coors Light train. <laughs> oh man, he's dying over there. You, you okay? <laughs> I'm throwing up thinking about the taste of that Miller Light. <laughs> I was nervous. I'd rather drink Miller High Life Miller than Miller Light. The champagne. Hey, I, I still have I three. Dude, the champagne, a beers, and a glass bottle ice fishing. There is yes. nothing better. Yeah, you guys made it's not, fun it's of not me terrible. For it. It's not terrible. There's nothing better. I don't know why it is, but it's ice. It's like ice fishing drink. Summertime. I mean, I'll drink it like if I go over to hang out with Dave and Bob and those guys. That's it. Yeah. But to me, it's like it's not deer great. camp with those guys or ice fishing. We're 11 minutes in this podcast. We're just gonna roll. Right, Let's roll. <laughs> Ready, Freddy. Right. Welcome to the Terrible Outdoorsman. Ryan Collin, your host. Uh, it's Bob and stuff. Jimmy Dalmage in the house. And, and Captain JG. You know, I told him he could say his line again. He doesn't say it. No. And no, he's still, pure, like, so butthurt about it. On pure principle. Yo, yo, yo. What, what principle? What up for show? What it's principle from, from elementary school ruined you enough? <laughs> <laughs> on what level of immaturity did you, <laughs> did you determine? Do we need to hold a grudge? Oh, oh I can hold a grudge. Yeah. That's the yeah. Thing. Good stuff. So, episode 29. 29 episodes. Guys, believe it. Can't believe we're still doing this shit. It's a thing. Yeah. What the yeah. hell is up with you guys making fun of me about the beer in my car, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we know Jimmy listens didn't, to the podcast. Didn't yeah. I think I was going to bring that up, did you guys? <laughs> no, we knew you wouldn't. Yeah. It's all in fun, Jimmy. I totally had the AC on. Yeah, because that story was full of shit. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, the, the beer was warm because oh. I didn't turn on my AC. We're starting with a bang right now. <laughs> That story was full of shit, and I'll call it that. <laughs> I'm just going to call it right off the bat. Talk about keep a grudge. I've been full of shit. I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't keep a grudge. <laughs> it just came up. It just, it just rolled into, into the, the, the man bought warm beer. You own up to, to buy warm beer. <laughs> I bought some warm beer. That's all I did. Uh, hey, yeah, I fucked up, guys. I bought warm beer. My bad. You don't make up a story. <laughs> That's all I got to say. It's my daughter's fault. She turned off the AC in the back. <laughs> I was like, what? What? That story doesn't even sound remotely believable. On, on that note, Jimmy, you haven't been here in a while. How many warm cases of beer you got in your back seat? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Dude, you're never going to live it, live it down, dude. It's, just, it's forever. It's every podcast from here forever. Until you bring cold beer again. It's just not it ever was cold, man. Call him Warm Beer Jimmy. It just got warm. It's a long drive here. It was, it was cold-ish. It wasn't even cold-ish. It was like room uh, temperature. Anyways, what's been up, Jim? In Europe, it would have been considered cold. What have you been doing? You been doing anything outdoors? Yeah, so we... 
Uh, I mean, I didn't participate in this too much, but uh, we got the hunting camper ready. Um, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago that we completely gutted it, and now uh, it's done. Um, <laughs> Not that close, but a little bit closer. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's pretty much done, so we're ready for that. Uh, sighted my, made sure my bow was sighted in uh, yesterday. Um, it still is. You've won up Bob. So yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think. And probably heading, Jason too, if I'm assuming correctly. I've been shooting that bow a lot. I don't think I'm heading out this weekend. Um, I'm not sure yet, but uh, it's, it's coming. I'll definitely be in the woods in October at some so point. I don't think we've seen you in a couple of weeks and you were supposed to hunt. They're really hot and we yeah. debated it. Yeah, that went really well. Um, so how'd that go? Uh, well, I didn't go. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Crushing it. No, so uh, that Friday, my daughter came home sick. And so I, I decided to stay home and help the wife because she was supposed to go to a wedding. Uh, me and my wife both ended up getting sick, too. Um, so Rona. we didn't go. It wasn't, it wasn't Rona. We got tested, but, uh, it, it wasn't good, whatever it was. So that's the thing about kids, man. Like when you, when you have little kids and you put them in elementary school and stuff like that or daycare, oh man, I remember daycare was a nightmare. Yeah. Dude, we put, we put our kids in daycare. Like the wife would go, you know, she, when she was working when they were little and they would be, you know, pre elementary school and they were just sick all the time. They had the crud all the time, and they would just bring that shit home, and then we'd get it, and everybody's sick. And it was like, eventually, I was like, why don't you just stay home instead of working? Because we're just right. we're just paying to get our kids sick. It's, it, yeah. it was it was a, a dumb idea. Jason, okay. if I can give you any advice when you and Nikki have kids. It's just don't. Don't put <laughs> Yeah, just don't have kids. But, no, my kids are great. My kids are great. Oh, your kids are great. I don't know about your kids. My, one of my kids is great. One of my kids is great. Fuck. <laughs> but that other one's a real doozy. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, don't put them in daycare. Somebody stay home. Like, you can have, have Nikki sell pictures of her feet online or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many ways to make money from home. Dude, you can like, sell underwear. People buy underwear. To sell, like, use underwear. Sell, sell her underwear and say it's like Britney Spears' underwear or some shit. And like, oh, yeah. Be just, just, have her, just buy some cheap-ass, like, women's underwear from, like, Walmart or something, and then you wear them around the house. Oh, you wear them. <laughs> you wear them for, like, a week and then throw them in a bag oh send them out people pay good money for that shit God, I just, I just puked. <laughs> dave and chuck the freak talk about this all the time dude like oh it's God. it's like a topic like they talk about it weekly if not more like anyways what i'm trying events. to get at there's lots of ways that you can make <laughs> money from home so if it gets to the point where like one of you needs to stay home to not put your kids in daycare do it find a way to make money from home Selling pictures of your feet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dude, this whatever. Is, we, whatever. We've had this conversation. Like, this conversation has come up. This is a conversation I think that every American family has. Like, why do I have a nursing degree when I could just sell my pictures of my feet and make yeah. more money? It's like when that girl, that girl, they, they – You they, say they, that as you're back in school right now. So yeah, taking right? pictures of your feet. Right. Remember the, like, the cash me outside girl? Like, that, oh that idiot who was on Dr. Phil – who is on OnlyFans now and is making like is a millionaire, an absolute like 
ridiculously wealthy from selling pictures of her butthole. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, and then you have these hard ass working people out here who are nurses. Like my wife is a NICU yeah. nurse, right? So like she worked in a neonatal intensive care unit, taking care of babies the size of your hand and like has gone to school for this and like comes home emotionally drained every day. And there's some girl out there selling a picture of her butthole on OnlyFans who's making millions of dollars. Our country is jacked up, man. people like me it are is, out there buying them. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. That's, exactly. that's true. You're part of the as problem, lo- too. As long as there's creeps like Jimmy out there, there will be a business hey, for OnlyFans. I'll sell you pictures of my feet, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Y'all, got, y'all have a sidebar over there while Jason and I talk. Hey, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> All right. Any, anyways, back to Jimmy. So you didn't do anything hunting. Kids were sick. You were sick. Had the plague. Did you do anything else? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> the fuck? A little bit. We went. To, I went to Cabela's, made sure I had everything I need. Um, so, so you you thought about hunting? You just didn't. oh, I've been thinking about hunting like nonstop. Like I was. I was fully ready to be like doing the early antlerless thing. Like it w- I was going to be in it's Crocs, kind of the, Crocs it's, and shorts. It's the it's the theme of this show is that we we think and we talk about fishing and hunting, but we don't fucking do anything. It's supposed to be the I year of not talking. Well, Jason, you're the only one that does anything. This is like a transition. I pictured. Um, I just pictured Jimmy when he said he went to Cabela's to see if he was ready. I pictured Jimmy walking through Cabela's in his camo with his crossbow and shooting the taxidermy on the mountain. Yes. <laughs> Step far off. Some nice bucks up there. Man. I was checking out scopes, aiming it, at animals it, on it, the mountain. It was... They get a replica of the Hanson buck out there, mate. It was stupid. Ooh, that's a topic for our podcast, the Rampola buck. Nobody wants to talk about it. But I don't oh, talk my about God. It. He keeps bringing up the Rampola buck. Nobody wants to talk about that. What it's is farce. That? It's I farce. Do. Anyways. Um... It was hot as shit for that early season. Um, did you listen to that episode? Yeah. Good answer. Um, we weren't even, I wasn't even close on the harvest prediction. I was way the hell off. Jason, you got our number? Oh, the, was, was, uh, you are not prepared, you was, son was, of a bee. It was 6,000 before the early list and then 9,600 and something, something after something the like early. That. Like, and I, I think I, it's 9,700 now. Or whatever, I, like, I was going to say, that number shouldn't go up. That's what I'm getting at because <laughs> there's not supposed to be any hunting going on. Yeah, but. if you ask Ryan, it was like, it's going to be 50 million. The whole goddamn deer herd's going to die this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I said twenty thousand. You did, yeah. You and were, he said fifteen. Like I was, we were that far apart. I don't know, that was I would. I, if you go back and you listen to that podcast, I was not nearly as uh, doomsday as Ryan was. About it. <laughs> I was a doomsday, dude. When you guys, you were. I like, just don't think. Like, listen, I nope. just don't think it's necessary. Listen, I'm driving to work, listening to that podcast, and I'm just listening to Ryan go. You know, you have all. You know, after October to get out in the woods, I really don't think that early antlerless is necessary. I don't know why people are doing it, and I'm just driving home. Go, I'm driving to work, going, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I was I, still planning I, on going I'm, out. I'm probably going to go. Like fuck, fuck <laughs> me, I guess. I'm not shaming anybody <laughs> for doing it because it's within the laws. You do, shame. you do, you. Shame. I'm not going to shame anybody. <laughs> I don't think it should be a season. I think it's stupid. Whatever. All right, so, so Jimmy hasn't done shit, <laughs> Jason. Um, before we get into your uh, fishing report, 
because um, I know you actually caught some fish this weekend. What's our what's our deer harvest number at right now? Nine thousand seven hundred thirty-four. So it went up a, a little bit from last time. All right. Poachers. So violating bastards. Violators, probably. Does that include deer hit by cars? <laughs> no. But hey, they harvested it, right? Does that include how many deer I've thought about shooting? <laughs> All right. So we're here, we're we're recording this and we'll we'll post this before opening day. And the next one we record will be after opening day of bow season. So what do we think the number is going to be next week when we record? If it's at 9,734, so we're going to have a couple days of actual full-on bow, bow hunting. We're at 9.7. Nine, we're at, right? we're at ten, yeah, say 10,000. Oh, I'd, I'd say 11,000. Bob's at 11,000 after, as of the next time we record. Okay. 11, even. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with probably all of them. <laughs> all 2 million. <laughs> Straight up 2 million. That's what the estimated. Do you have a real number? So. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe like <clears throat> 11,001. <laughs> <laughs> this is the price is right. <laughs> I'm gonna say probably uh, what we're at now. I'm gonna say 14. Okay, Jason. I'm sticking to my guns. Twelve thousand three hundred and forty-five. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be that all year. It's gonna. We're, we're, we're gonna be at like we're gonna, gonna be at gonna, we're gonna be at thirty-five thousand. He's gonna be like twelve thousand. Once he twelve thousand three hundred and forty. He's just gonna add a number. He's, he's gonna, gonna say, add a six. He's, a, he's gonna say one hundred twenty-three thousand four hundred fifty-six. <laughs> just keep adding adding a digit on there. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna stick with my number twenty twenty thousand. I think it's gonna jump. I don't week. Yeah, over a week. Not even a week. It's going to be like four days. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Ryan is overestimating. It's opening day I think bowl, Ryan's like, overestimating the cold, uh, colder conditions. Success. Colder conditions. It's getting down. We have a frost warning tonight. It's going to be like, I think it's going to be in the 20s in northern Michigan. So I think there's going to be some deer harvested this weekend. I think there's a fair amount of bow hunters out there, but I don't believe there are nearly as many bow hunters. Are there as there are gun hunters. I don't think so either. Saying? So like, but I'm saying I it's, it's I'm, so I'm saying only 10,000 deer are going to get harvested the opening weekend of bow season when the low is going to be in the forties and fifties. I think you're way, you're way. Hey, shooting time it. will tell. You're Join us next week for another hunting adventure. <laughs> Join us next week. For you guys should big see fish adventure. how many people were at Cabela. Cause I went twice. Um, I went I went to the one in Auburn Hills at the mall when I was with Mike. I That's not a Cabela's. It's the Bass Pro Show. Bass Pro. Same no thing. big deal. Sells Cabela's gear. Um, so I went there, they're and both, then I went. They're both trash. Then I went to actual Cabelskis in, uh, in, Dunham, in Dundee. I mean, um, there are so many people buying bows right now. Like, what the hell are they doing? Why wouldn't they have done that already? They probably pulled their bow out and realized it's a piece of shit. It's just a bunch of Jasons out there doing everything last minute. It's not good. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's why, that's Damn. why we're Shots. going through... Shots That's fired. why we're going through archery prep two days, three days before the season. <laughs> but <laughs> Jason also has cold beer, though, so... <laughs> so there's that. There's Does that. He? Uh, well, I'm assuming he doesn't have warm beer sitting in the back seat of his truck. What are you? What are you drinking right now? <laughs> he turns on the AC. I'm drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs> nice, nice. The scissor. Um. All right. So, Jason, let's hear a fishing report. 
from the the Pier Marquette River last weekend. Yeah, I went up there with my brother, and I think we talked about it last episode where I went with my dad, and we were using the skein or the fish eggs in the oh, membrane. Do we really got to talk about the placenta again? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna cut. You, I'm gonna cut you off. Real quick. I'm gonna cut you off real quick. So I talked to one of the Marines that works across the hall from me, and. Uh, we were having a conversation, and he showed me a, showed me a picture of the salmon that he caught. And I'm like, "Really? What'd you catch it on?" He was like, "Skein." And I was like, "How is it that I've never heard of skein in my life, and then I've heard about it twice in one week?" Like, I'm like, and then he shows me a picture of them preparing. You know, you they know were why? At, they Be, were at, because of this podcast, you right? Learn something. They were they. Were, <laughs> but when he showed me another picture of them preparing this skein <laughs> and prepare preparing it in a hotel room. Uh, sink. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus. man, that's nasty, dude. Like that had to stink up that whole hotel room. He's I, like, yeah, it was pretty bad. I He's just, like, we got we got all the dye off and stuff like that, but it was like, yeah, we. Uh, so I just got done like, watching the, the the new Jeffrey Dahmer series, and I'm pretty sure that scene came from that. <laughs> pretty sure. Have you guys ever? Pretty had, sure skein came from Jeffrey Dahmer. He might have invented it. Have you guys ever had scrambled skein? Anyways, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> continue on. with your skein story. <laughs> So this week, or yeah, we were up there this week, Monday and Tuesday, and instead of just having bites, we actually hooked and landed several fish, so it was a lot of fun. We landed, uh, we had, we landed five the first day, and we had at least five more on. You landed five? Yeah. And we saw pictures of two. I know, because the others, we were just putting them back, we were just catching Caught those, took pictures of them, and put them back because those were the first ones that we caught and landed on skein, like on our own. If you don't, so. if you don't get a picture, it don't count. Okay, it was fifty degrees and rain for two <laughs> yeah. days. I wasn't really excited <laughs> to take my camera out or my phone out, but um, the second day we struggled. So the it rained, and I think it made the conditions better because the river came up. The water temperature was 10 degrees colder than the week before, and I think the fish were more active when they were biting, and that's why we hooked them. We were catching fish on Monday. The water came up, and on Tuesday, we did get a few bites, but we struggled to hook them and land them. And I think what happened is the fish that we were catching the day before moved upstream with the higher water, and then we were kind of in a void where the fish that we were catching had moved on, and the next push of fish hadn't made it there yet. So it was a little bit slower on Tuesday, but it was fun. It was exciting to post some photos to uh, to the Facebook page, and it was fun to go out there and use that technique and just get some more confidence with it. Yeah, you posted those to the Turbo Outdoorsman Facebook page, right? You yeah. You were the one that posted those? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Very nice. That one was a dandy. Yeah, the so the one that my brother caught was a smaller, I think it was a female. She probably still had eggs in her. And then the one that I landed that I took a picture of was a male with that big hooked jaw. Yeah, that's and, that's super cool when they have that big hooked yeah. jaw. And what kind yep. what kind of salmon did you say that was? Um so those are both Chinook salmon and then when they get that when the males get that hooked jaw, that hooked jaw is called a kype, K Y P E. That's the name of it. And it's something that they develop when they're in the river spawning as just like a, um, a characteristic to their teeth get more aggressive. They get that hook jaw on there, and it's just like a um, spawning characteristic that shows up when they're in the river. Nice. You that see was the, fun, though. Did you see the picture, Jimmy? No. You wake over there, buddy? I'm drifting. Jesus Christ. I've been up since four, so. 
Oh, speaking of being up since four, and I know how much Ryan likes to get up early. So on the river, you go down there, you go down to the river and there's a, there's guides, right? They go there every single day and I know where some of them go and I know where some of them start each day. And so I make it a point to beat them in the morning. And so we woke up at two 30 in the morning and got down to the river. Uh, by the time we got around over to the river, um, it was about three 30 in the morning and we got to the spot that we wanted. We were the first one in the launch. And what's funny is from where we were, we drive down the river, we park where we want. And the first boat that comes down passes all of that water to get where we are. And he goes to the next spot downstream. So if he's going to drive past all of those other potential areas, and I know he's headed to the spot where we are at because I've seen him there before. So we park there and then he has to park to the next, the next like deep hole, right. To fish. But um, yeah, it takes a commitment. And then you're sitting there in the dark, you're sitting there in the dark, you know, you can cast, but obviously it's hard to see and stuff. So you just sit there in the dark, like sleep in the boat seat. And then when it starts to get daylight, that's when you have your best action. Like we did when we were, um, did you guys just well, we anchor? Fish in the evening. Yeah, we anchored. Yep. Is that how you were fishing? Like once it was light out? Yeah. You just yep. anchor, then you just cast up, and then let it float down. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a pretty short cast, so the river's not very wide in general. You yeah. position the boat strategically. We were only casting like, okay, the rods we were using were ten feet, and you actually could have just set the float and the skein in right off your rod tip, and then it would take it down into the hole. Yeah. So. But Ooh. yeah, we um we used the those um Abu Garcia Revo Toro Beast musky reels mm-hmm. with eighty pound braid on our salmon rods and that's what we used. Mm. So the the line those other guys use like fifty pound braid and stuff just so you can try to steer them away from the logs and stuff. But yeah. we used those reels, we fought fish on them, they performed extremely well, excellent drags, comfortable. Liked fighting fish on it. Felt like they had a lot of torque, so it was awesome. I'm really hoping to tangle with a muskie this coming month with one of those reels. Yeah. We got to get out, man. I know it. Did you look at those dates? Oh, in the, the weekends in October. Yeah. Yeah. I So I have a confession to make on the airwaves oh, to so my bitch. fellow outdoorsmen. <laughs> you fail. I I feel like I feel I feel like I was overly confident in my bold predictions and I am going to pretty much throw up the white flag on the uh, public land buck and focus my efforts on musky fishing and I will concede on not capitalizing on that bold prediction and potentially make a monetary donation to the channel <laughs> before the season Can we do that? Starts. Can we do that? Can we just pay money? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I would like to throw. It was this my out. idea. It was my idea. I'm the only one that gets to do it. <laughs> that when I, made... I I'm notorious for throwing money at my problems. So <laughs> when I made my bold prediction, I specifically said that I would rely on you two to get me out there musky fishing. So I'm safe on <laughs> Whoa, that one. That was your first mistake. Thank God. <clears throat> but I but I, I did say it on the air. I want to say that we both <clears throat> refuted that right away. We did said, take you musky no. fishing. We did give you the chance. The fact that you didn't perform at that <laughs> on that one time, that's not on us. Where, um, did, where did we take a musky fishing? We went chicken. Oh, yeah, that's right. That wasn't me. It was so long ago, I know. Like, <laughs> God, it really was. Let's it was do it again. June, I think. Or was that? Yeah, it was June. Yeah. 
It's before tomorrow. So Jason's throwing in the towel before the season on even that one. Starts. On that one, I want to. I essentially have decided like, but there's I have an opportunity. You got three months. I have an opportunity. You got to put in some time. I'd rather focus on not necessarily go hunt some public land on a weekend, get lucky. I mean, the we'll fact see. that you said specifically an eight-point buck—that was just dumb. Did he really? Yeah, he I said just he, thought he said it was a public land buck. No, I said eight point. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, he said it was specifically. So if he, so if he saw a nine point, you technically aren't going to shoot it, right? <laughs> well, if right. We're, I'm if a man of my word. All because of this bold prediction to throw in the towel. I'm just going to. I want to throw in mine. No, so every <laughs> y'all, y'all are a bunch of. Oh god, I'm not throwing mine in yet. Y'all I, are I, being a bunch of pussies about can, this this one chip challenge that y'all are, are going to have. My to do. wife just bought one of those for fun. Yeah, they're that like was, seven bucks from Bushes. His, his wife got a couple of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I paid $17. I'm the only one that's not scared of this thing. They've all been watching TikTok of people dying from it. <laughs> like I said, I didn't oh my God. I didn't survive a couple of tours in combat just for just to, to, die, die, from, to die from a from goddamn chip. chip. <laughs> I like chips. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think if I'm going to accept your white flag. I don't think I'm going to accept it, though. You can't do it yet. Can't it's too early yet. because you could go out in a couple weeks. We tie into a muskie, and then you got the rest of the time to focus on your public land buck. And technically, if you hit it with your car, that's public land. Uh, he's not wrong. Uh, not wrong. Not wrong. And then so, I'll get out and shoot. Just be <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then get out and and, uh, and shoot it on the side of the road. So. He's driving at night with his headlights off, like he's <laughs> <laughs> just rolling ninety down seventy five. Dude, dude, I don't know what I'm hitting. It's just something. So anyway, right, so um, I want to focus like in the month of October, I'll be headed over to New York at the end of the year. Or, I'm sorry, at the end of the month. Public but, land in New York. Eh, nah, I'd rather take the five hundred dollar five hundred acre private farm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh man. Okay, so you're going to New York. Did you look at those dates yeah. though? Um, I did look at those dates, and I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get down and focus on musky fishing those weekends in October. Okay. At least one of them we got to get out. Got to dedicate some time. You guys are just setting yeah. each other dates. That's cool. Yeah. Well, he had sent me some dates that he potentially could have free to come down and do some musky fishing. So That's pretty sweet. If you don't commit, then you'll never go. So I'll let you know when we have those dates. He's not going to be here. Got to go play. Or no, um, he might be, depending on the what dates that we can make happen. Okay. If your boat will even run, it's been like three months. Yeah, I don't even know if the motor works anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know if it floats. <laughs> it might not. Good possibility. Oh, my God. Failures. I did see on the Facebook page, um, I think it shows like it must show. I still haven't quite figured out what pages the Terrible Outdoorsman page shows when you look at the timeline or whatever but the bondy bait one showed up and john bondy said once this wind stops cranking it's time yep so yep it is i'm getting yep. excited he said the, he said the fall musky bites on it's <laughs> october so yep it's gonna be october in a couple days the water temps are already down it's been freezing it's been like yeah. low 40s it's gonna be in the low 30s i think tonight or tomorrow so musky fishing is gonna be on as much as we want to talk about bow hunting in this episode, like we cannot forget about musky fishing because we got two months of some pretty good musky fishing. This is really, yeah. 
like I didn't have much motivation to musky fish in the summertime. It's just too hot. It's just it didn't and too much other shit going on. But that one that we caught last year that I caught with dad in November was like November 4th or 6th or something. We yeah. weren't we weren't hunting that weekend because I had shot that buck in New York around Halloween time and we decided to musky fish and holy cow. Yep. I'm glad we did. I just watched a musky video. I think it was uh today's angler they yep. did an episode or two on saint Clair, yep. and they catch a fish and they net it and i'm like oh my gosh that thing is huge and then they throw it on the board and it's 46 i'm like oh my god i can't right. believe the fish we caught was 46 inches yeah well, it looks huge which it is it's a big fat. musky yeah i yeah. just watched those i think their last couple of videos of then it's like all saint Clair. they've got like four or five videos of saint Clair. yeah those guys are good but anyways, back to this one chip challenge that you guys are bitching, <laughs> bitching out about. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really <clears throat> afraid of it too much. I'm just you're the afraid one that of, brought it up. Like I'm afraid a month of ago and said you're going to die from it. No, that was Bob. No, you're the one that brought it up. I was like, oh, the polar bear. Yeah, you, you had right. a, you had a bunch of people telling you, you guys that, are scared like, of everything. My wife just yelled at me for that because she just found out. And she's like, that's, you. no, you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm just like. Does that mean your wife listens to the podcast? No, I was just telling her about it. She well, hates the Shame podcast. on her. <laughs> shame on her. For shame. All right. Good stuff. Bob, I know you didn't do anything last weekend, did you? You wrote papers all weekend. Yeah, I did. I read and I wrote all weekend. Yeah, so Productive. there's that. There's that. You know, you, you asked know me what this he did, every. Right? He asked me this every single podcast, and it's like it just reaffirms my lameness <laughs> when it comes to like being. I, I am the terrible outdoorsman because uh, most of the time I'm not doing anything outdoors. I'm sitting here at my computer, just uh, you know, plugging away. You know what Bob's not writing is bullets for the agenda. Yeah. I refuse on the Google. All this, I refuse all, all this to... time he's sitting on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, oh, you guys are asking a lot of me right? you really are not you really are oh, that's this, funny. this podcast has taken too much of uh my valuable time <laughs> valuable time <laughs> oh, oh man. i i got so many comments and i'm gonna, I'm gonna refrain what did you do refrain. last weekend what did i do last week yeah i worked there you go there you go i was working too it's just working in a different way <laughs> we all have priorities and yeah. obligations. Yeah, it happens. It's a thing. Yeah. I put up some new trail cameras. That was about it, though. So, other than that, that's about it. We're a bunch of lame old potatoes. So, potato. All right. Before we get into the gear prep, since you brought it up, I want to talk about it. So, we brought up this story about the dude that got stuck in a porta potty. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to talk about it. I've been so, hearing about this dude for months. It's man. for it's been going on for for a long time. We listened to it on the, the Meat Eater podcast. So apparently, this dude dropped his phone into a, a porta potty at a fishing site, like the the shack. I think it was in New Jersey, and so he decided to strip naked and jump down in there to get his phone out, and then got stuck and couldn't get back out. So he deserves he had, it. Exactly my thoughts. So he deserved it. And so apparently he, I, I believe he called the cops or the police trying to get them to save him. And they didn't believe him. 
They just kept thinking Wait, did he, he was find his call. phone in the tank and then used it did. to call the cops? No, he never recovered his phone. I know See, I'm thinking of a different story because they, t- they told two different told stories then. Ones, yeah. Okay, so this dude never found it. And then maybe this was a guy who he was yelling and someone eventually had to, like, break the door down. Yeah, well, there was – so there's another story of a guy who got inside of – or he, he went inside one – his phone was not down there. His phone was on top of his clothing, but he was also naked. But his phone was sitting on top of his clothing, and there was a woman out in the parking lot, and he yelled out at her, and she, I don't know, tried to help him, or eventually they had to, I think, call somebody to help. There was more to that story. There was way more to it, and and I think that was like a, they come to find out it was like some kind of fetish thing, like dude was into some weird stuff. But like the other story of the guy, the guy dropping his phone, but he went, he stripped down naked, got down into the, I mean, if you've ever been to a state park or a boat launch, I think it was a boat launch. I think it was like a a fishing site. It was a fishing fishing access site. And they, uh, so he got down inside of it. But so there's a couple questions here that I have, like one, what is so important on your phone? That you have to dive into shit in order to get it. Butthole you know and feet picks. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's there's something <laughs> there. There's something, some yeah. real reason you need to get your phone because otherwise, I, I mean, I, I, you put yourself in this kind of in, in this position. And you're like, all right, if I dropped it into a porch dinner, I'm probably calling it a day. I'm gonna be uh-huh. like, you know what? I'm gonna chalk that one up to a loss. So, it's probably no good. I'll just get a new phone, whatever. But this guy decided to strip down naked and get down inside of it. Like there is nothing is so important on my phone that I am going to take off all my clothing and get inside <laughs> of a porta shitter tank, yeah. in order to f- pull this phone so that I can retrieve my phone. Like I, I just don't care. So that that's that's kind of what I wanted to bring up and the question I wanted to to bring up. So I know Bob's the answer. So Jimmy and Jason, brand new phone. You just spent. Fifteen hundred dollars, brand new no, iPhone. The whatever. answer is no. I, I got insurance, bro. <laughs> okay, you don't have insurance on it. I'm no. gonna buy a new one. <laughs> Jason's answer is firm. No, never gonna happen. He's buying a new phone. Fuck it, right? Right, Jimmy. I'm gonna be like bobbing for apples for that thing. You know, I'm gonna get that thing out of there for sure. He's got some weird shit on there. Now the now the follow up question. No, the follow up question, gone. The Ryan, gone. is: so if our answer is no, the follow up question is: how much would it cost to make you jump it's, it's in? Exactly, exactly what I'm getting at. So it's a firm no with me too, and there's not enough money in the fucking world to to do it for me. So what would it take? What would have to be on your phone? What what what? How much money would it cost? A guided moose hunt in Alaska, and I'd jump uh, in. I might jump in. <laughs> I might be there. I'd do a cannonball. I might, yeah, I might I might swan dive. I, I guess if it's like, yeah, the, that rhetorical question of like, if I were to pay you $2 million, would you jump in there and get it? Like, yeah, I'm going to go in there for $2 million. But if it's just my phone, just the purpose of retrieving my phone, sorry about it. <laughs> like, uh, I'll use smoke signals. All, I don't give a shit. Okay, like, all your kids' pictures are on your phone. The they're, only, the only, they're not in the cloud. The only way of getting them is on that phone. Well, you know, I'll take more pictures. <laughs> I'm not doing <laughs> it. I'm not doing do, it, man. You know like, what I would do? I'm sorry. I would. I would walk outside of the porta john. 
I'd walk outside of the Porta John. I'd look at the big sign that says Ryan and Bob's Porta John service. Call this number. I would call them and I'd say, "When's the truck coming?" And they would suck up all the stuff, and I'd filter my phone out of it. Well, I, I, don't know, do... I don't even know that I would do all that. Like I'd just be like, eh, yeah. No. I, I, because at the end of the day, this dude went down there and still did not get his phone. So this thing's like sunk. Like it, it, it went down in there and yeah, it was down. Yeah, how deep in, was it? That's, it, that's it was something in, we don't know. He was, he was like waist or yeah, chest he, high. I want to say it was up to his chest. I said. think he was oh chest God. high in, in think shit. Think about it. Dude, just imagine the stuff that's in there. Like dude, it's, the, I, I got to hold diseases. my breath when I walk in there to take a piss. Let alone jumping down in that hole. Well, I, I couldn't imagine. A whole other point that like no. this, this Steve Ranella brings up is, what was his plan after? Yeah, to get out. Like, like what was the plan after? Even yeah, if he's he, even if he did get out, like, was his plan to like he took all his clothes nude to go dunk himself in the lake or river or whatever the access point is to like clean himself off? Yeah, and then put his clothing back on or something. Like, you yeah. cannot get clean enough, man. What like, was that lake you guys uh, went on, Guggenville? What lake was that? Um, Thornapple. Thornapple, yeah. Could you imagine you're at the restroom at Thornapple where you guys said it was like a maze and you like reached the well, other That was maze a legit porta potty. And like, somebody's in it. That was that wouldn't have been deep enough to get into. <laughs> I just went I just went to Cut River up in the UP and they had the exact thing that he's talking about. The, the exact like well, you know, they have that little porta john that you go and they had two of them and they're kind of they're unisex, so they're like you can go in either one of them. And I'm sitting there, and I, I had listened to this podcast beforehand, and I'm, you know, doing my business, and I'm like, I, I'm sitting here imagining this, and I'm like, no, fuck no, man. Like, just no, not not ever. Like, no, I'm not going down there. Like, there's like, there's there's some really bad things that happened in there. Like, some people, like, if you have to use, think about this, too, like, if you have to use one of those, it's last resort. Like yeah, you sure. really, you really got to take a leak, <laughs> or you really have to take a crap. Right? There's, there's nothing solid in that whole thing. <laughs> nothing, not a single thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like if you have to use that for the purposes of like, all right, you got to take a crap. Like you got really take a crap, dude. And it, it's highly likely that it is not. It's not healthy. Whatever's ha- whatever happened in there is hey, is. Hey Jason, can the DNR get on cleaning those things up, please? It, there's parks department. Yeah, oh yeah, parks department. There's there's signs posted everywhere. Don't throw anything in here. You know, whatever. Like it's just it's you know don't put anything. Here, but, here's the the, the next the question. Would, the next question I had. But the poo in the paper in here. You know. Here's my next question. How does your phone fall into the toilet? You're sitting on the shitter and you're you're you know you're 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 swiping left on your, your exactly your, your Tinder snap. You're spending enough time sitting on that nasty ass seat to you're, where you're swiping on your no, phone. No man, like that's, <laughs> that's not the place. That's that. not, like, yeah, that's not the place. You get your business do done and you get off and you get out of there. Right, right. They're, like this, that is not the yeah. place to like you know to like be you know playing playing some. Out. Sudoku or uh, no. playing your chess. Yeah, you're match not going through TikTok unless it's terrible. You're, you're TikTok not watching TikToks okay. on. You're not watching TikToks on the Porta shitter at whatever. So what's funny though is like DNR as access. he as Stephen Rennell is telling the story, like there's multiple stories of people dropping their phones on these board bodies. What is wrong with people? Yeah, they had. They if had, it like fell out of your pocket or something, like 
vaguely I could understand that, I guess. But, he, like... He posted a picture of a woman who, like, lowered herself in to grab <laughs> her phone with her feet. And... Oh, I, I, I think she got it. Like, I, I think. I think. So she, it must have. It must I, I think have, like, she actually got on, it. It must have fallen on top of the crawfish home, and she saw it. So she reached down there with her feet and picked it off the top of the little crayfish pile that was stacked. <laughs> up. Oh my God, Jesus! And then, and then there was <laughs> there was another story of somebody who like got like those little grabbers, you know, like Dad has on the lawnmower, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like picking up sticks and shit. Like, like they have little grabbers. Okay, so but here's, down there and grab here's it, a whole like, other piece. Once you get, okay, you successfully retrieve your phone. I ain't touching the fucking thing ever again. You'll never sanitize it enough for me to hold it up next to my head. So there's never, a, there's a deeper issue here. There's a deeper, there's a lot issue. of deep issues with there's this a, story. There's That's why a I deeper, to talk about there's it. a deeper issue is, is that we have become so attached to our yeah. phones that the moment that you are without it, Think about think about it. You've, we've all done it, right? We've all left the house and then realized ten minutes down the road or five miles down the road or whatever, you've realized you left your phone back home, and you're like, "What do you do?" Twenty years ago, we'd have kept on going to work. Right now, 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 now you're you're, lost. you turn your ass around, you're lost. You're, you're lost, lost without. I wouldn't be able to get to work. Yeah, you can't. Well, <laughs> you you yeah. It, it's just it's this feeling, this security feeling that you have with your phone anymore. And, and for some people, that's greater than it is for other people. Like, you know, our, you know, our parents who are, you know, in their 60s could, they could do without their phones. They could give two shits about that phone. I don't have my phone. I don't even know where the hell that thing is. I haven't seen right. it in two days. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. whatever. But, like, my kids, my 17-year-old daughter, like, if she were to leave her phone somewhere, like, it'd be, it would be, it would shut her down. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I think that that is just kind of the that it's kind of the the way that the society is right now is that we have to we have to have it on us all the time. And, and, and like if you lose it, like it's a panic. It's immediate panic. Like so there's that as well. Like with this whole story with this guy who dove in, <laughs> who went down into the shitter to retrieve his phone. It, maybe he was like that. Maybe he was to the point where he was. It was obs- an obsessive compulsive type, uh, like thing where it was like, I have to retrieve this. I have to get this. I'm oh willing God. to get naked and get down in there to get it. And that is fucking weird to me. <laughs> it's just so strange, dude. Yeah. No, nope, not gonna do it. Nope. We put a lot of time into this. Topic. I like how Jason said that <clears throat> if he dropped his phone in there, he would just walk out and look at the name on the door and call him. But how's he going to call him when his phone's stuck in the shitter? <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. That's, that's a good we one. Got, we take it, our it phones for one. granted so much that we don't even realize. It's like, it's like, when, the realize power, it's part it's like when the power goes out and you go to turn the light on because you can't see because the <laughs> like, power's like, out. Like, what, what the hell? Yeah. Why aren't the lights turning on? I would stand outside the door with the Purell hand sanitizer, and when someone walked in, I'd give them a little shot on their hands and then ask if I could use their phone. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There's that. You know. it, but it, you're backwards. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's n- <laughs> like, the my, next person might show up five days from now. You don't know. Yeah, that person know. goes in there and takes an additional shit on your yeah, phone. But, yeah, they shit right on but, top hey, of your phone. I'll, back. I'll, oh, <laughs> sorry, bro. That was a real big steamer on that thing. Yeah, man. I just Carl can't. from the construction site. 
He's just, oh no! Just pushing, yeah. just pushing that phone deeper and deeper. What a conversation we're having! What a now. brutal! This is that moment that everybody's this, that, turned off, and and that's why I say that's why I say like I just forget it, man. Forget it. Forget yeah. about it. You know, it's done. It's not going to survive in there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like the the liquid and things like that. Like they like phones can't handle that shit. Like it's well, it's going to be just they're waterproof up to six feet. So I, don't I don't know if they're shit proof up to six feet. Well, you know, if okay, so say I got some really personal stuff on there. I got some I got some some stuff I don't want anybody seeing. Right? One That's a good spot to hide it. One right. One, your phone is it's locked. So if you got a lock on your phone, like that's a good thing. But two, like who is gonna take the time? Like you know, the Daryl, who's who's running the the board of shitter sucker upper crew. And he sucks that thing up, and he's like, "Hey, man, found me a phone. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this thing. I'm gonna, Daryl might be I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. I highly doubt any of that's happening. Right, like, we got to talk about anything else. <laughs> Ryan's about to throw up. <laughs> I mean, I, I brought it up, and I got to talk about anything else. I'm, gonna, I, I'm just, I'm diving, I'm, I'm diving deep. Was, We're diving deep into the shitter right here. Was this a, was this a bullet point? No, we this, this was this, not on the agenda. This, this was a sidebar. This was not so only, in the have, Google Doc. Uh, since we have three days until opening day of archery, why don't we talk about more bow prep? Well, let's get into that, since we didn't really cover it all last week. So we talked uh, last week, we got into tree stand and tree stand safety. Bob told his great story. That was awesome. <laughs> it's great. His near-death experience. I still have the scar. Do you really? Is there actual yeah. scar there? Why you flicked me off? Hey, fuck you, man. <clears throat> oh shit, you do. Yeah. Sir. So don't don't stab yourself when you're twenty feet in the air. Uh we talked about harnesses, tree stands, and I think we got we briefly got into trail cameras, and that was about it. So bow season is four or five days away, right around the corner. Uh fuck, it's not even that. It's literally a three, three. days away. Yeah. Saturday. Lord. Month go. Better I get am, that bow out. I am excited. I have shot my bow. Um, not enough. I'm going to shoot it again tomorrow. Um, I honestly, I, I think I shot it at like 20, 25 yards. So I got a little more practice, practicing to do tomorrow because I did say that I was going to practice more. That was one of my non-bold predictions, but a prediction that I was going to do is prep more so I don't miss any more deer or wound any more deer. So are you... You, you said you shot your bow. Yeah. Jason hasn't shot his. Bob <laughs> hasn't shot his. But we half suck. Yeah. I haven't shot it. Um, I'm fairly confident in the fact that I'll be able to pull it out and be able to zip them in there regardless. But it, it's still, that's no excuse. Like, i got to get out there. i got to practice more. I I go to the gym every day, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm fairly confident in my ability to be able to manipulate my bow. I'm just... You know, you have to shoot in order to be good at shooting. So, yeah, that's it's it's a start. You know, yeah. I'll get out there and I'll probably start shooting maybe tomorrow and the next day. I'll probably shoot a couple of days and then go out there and do a little bit of hunting. If I'm not comfortable with a shot, I'm 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 fully aware of my abilities. So, so, so. let's let's stay on this topic. So, you and Jason are using conventional compound bows so you pull your bow out of the case first time what are you doing 
Dry fire it. Okay. You pull <laughs> you pull it back without narrowing it, and you just send it. Just fire it Just right send away. it. And if it blows up, I go to Cabela's and I buy a new bullet. That's what everybody's doing, Jimmy. That's gotcha. what they're doing. I understand now. Are you going to join the podcast? I'm, that's, I'm here. That's a best practice. You don't necessarily always want to do that, but I would recommend it. I, I'm just kidding. Don't don't yeah. don't yeah. dry fire your bullet. Don't dry fire. Um, so pulling it out of the case, the first thing I'm looking at is like, you know, I want to make sure that, um, I'm, I'm going to like look it over to make sure that I, you know, you'll, you'll acquire some rust and things like that in different areas. Like normally it's just like your little screws and things like that here and there, but you want to inspect the string. That's the first thing I'm going to look at is to make sure that the string's not, um, you know, not frayed too much in one area. I'm going to look at my cams. I'm going to look at everything i'm going to probably take a wrench to my sights to make sure that everything is socked down really good and like everything is ready to go so i'll just i'll do a once over over the bow you guys lock tight all those screws on your sights normally yes yeah like i think when i first installed it i locked tight them but i just still take an allen wrench to them anyway just to in in and try to give them a little tweak just to make sure that they're still tight and nothing came loose but other than that, like just really kind of looking over that, I'll probably wax my string just to make sure that it everything is, you know, up to snuff and, and good to go. And, and then after that, I kind of inspect my arrows. The The biggest problem I, I seem to have year after year is my release. Like my release tends to rust more than others or it, you know, it sits. I always keep my release with my bow. Like I've just learned over the years of, you know, I used to put it in my in a backpack or I'd put it here or I'd put it there and I'd. You know, I show up to go hunt, and I don't have my damn release where it needs to be, so I always keep it in my bow case now, you know, or, or attached. I, uh, You know, it has a little, like, uh, like a quip type thing that goes around your wrist, so I just clip it around the bow, and I always keep it on the bow. So whenever I open up my bow case for the first time every year, I'm going to look at my release, and I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, activate the release a couple times just to make sure it's not rusted up. If it is, I'm going to oil it and do the things that I need to do to make sure that that thing is operating the right way. And just kind of like, it's kind of the military in me too. It's just like kind of uh, in the Army, we call it preventive maintenance checks and services. So I'll just like kind of go through it head to toe, make sure everything is like good to go inspect my arrows, you know, dig out my field tips and things like that. And then, you know, and then I start shooting. And before I hunt, I'll always shoot like my practice broadheads and stuff like that, just to make sure that everything is on. And then I have, I have three brand new, um, three brand new broadheads are still in the package. So once I, once I shoot and I'm sure that I'm dialed in and everything is good to go, then I'll, I'll attach my broadheads and, and I'll prepare for hunting. So I do that. I do all the like the prep work in the practice, and then I'll prep everything for hunting. And then once it's once it's hunting, you know, I'll I'll, I'll still practice throughout the season. Like you know, if I'm if I'm gonna go out hunting, I keep like right now my target. I have a block. I have like a I don't know what is it called a blackout or something like that from from Cabela's or wherever you buy it from. I have a block and I keep it in the back of my truck. And there's times where I go out hunting. And if I'm before I hunt, like especially over at dad's or something like that, if I get there early, like if I get there at three o'clock in the afternoon and I know it doesn't get dark till seven at night, like, and I'm going to hunt for a few hours, like I'll set up that block and I'll, I'll shoot a few arrows before I even go out into the woods. So I'm inspecting my arrows, making sure that the fletchings are good. They roll right. Meaning, or meaning I'll roll them over a table to make sure that they're not at all warped in any way, like, 
you know, you just kind of have to go through like the the basics and make sure that everything is ready to go and that nothing has changed because it will. You know, you can just you can have arrows sitting in a case over the course of a year and those arrows can can definitely change shape. So you want to you want to shoot them. You want to make sure that you know and roll. Like I said, I, I take them and I roll them over a table to make sure that they're that they're rolling. If they wobble, like if they have a little bit of a wobble as they mm-hmm. as you roll them, you've got a you know a little bit of a wow on the arrow. You need to yeah. either get new arrows or do whatever you got to do. But yeah, that's kind of like some of my like little you know as I as I get into that groove and I start doing it, like I want to make sure that everything is ready to go beforehand. You know, yeah. I don't like rust on my bow at all, so I'll I'll clean it like I do a weapon, like a like a gun. That kind of thing. I'll wipe everything down. I'll draw it a few times just to make sure that, like, just to feel that draw weight, you know, just to feel that, just to, just to make sure that, like, just to see where I'm at because, you know, like, I, I train in the gym, you know, a few times a week, every week, and it's like, it, you don't use those muscles all the mm-hmm. time, though, like, you know, so you've got to, like, draw and you've got to make sure that you're, you know, and then the more you do it, you know, the they should, they should make get. a piece of fitness equipment where it's like replicates pulling a bow. You, you can, you can. There's a lot of cables and things like that out there that you can do, but um, it, it's it's a little bit different. It's just a, it's a different movement than anybody's ever used to. So, and, and what's your bow at seventy pounds? No, I I actually went down from I was at seventy pounds. I went down to sixty five, and it was it was actually that buck. It was a buck up in Onaway. And um, when I went to draw on them, it was like early in the morning. It was like, I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning. Everything was cold. It was, you know, I hadn't drawn my bow in a week or two. And when that deer came in and when I went to draw on them, it was like it broke really hard because I was, you know, I'm drawing and I'm doing it from a seated position, from an awkward position because I was like, it came from my right and I had to like, draw i had to turn my whole body and then i had to try to draw from the right and it was really kind of like it really took a lot of effort to get that bow back at that point and i was like you know why the hell am i pulling so hard you know the at at 70 pounds at uh 29 inch draw length or whatever my draw length is and uh, you know i was chronographing at 315 feet per second which is super fast but if I were to drop it down five pounds, how much easier is my draw going to be versus my speed? And I did that. I dropped it down about five pounds, and it was it was night and day. It was it was huge, and it, it made such a huge difference in my my ability to draw under pressure like that, or under you know cold conditions and things like that. It just made it so much easier. So like when I went down, I'm now I'm shooting at 65. I don't think you need to shoot a whole lot faster. I could probably yeah. drop it down to 60 and I'd still be able to smoke deer at, you know, 30 yards with it. But yeah, so that, those are, you know, kind of some of the steps that I take on my, you know, my little preseason journey type thing. But, Jason, anything you would add to taking your normal compound out of the case? Um, a couple of things I want to hear about, because although I have hunted for several years with a with the compound bow that I currently have, um, as far as like the different names of the different pieces of it, still a little bit like I couldn't. If you said point to the cam, I think I know what I would point to, but I wouldn't be confident in what I'm pointing at. So is the cam the rotating 
okay, I'm going to call it a circle because I don't know what else to call it. But is the cam the part that rotates out when you pull the string back? Or is yeah. That... yeah, yeah. On okay. a com- on a compound bow, your your cam is going to be you know on the on the limbs on the ends of the limbs of the bow, mm-hmm. and that's the part that that breaks. So like as yeah. you like you know like the big ro- yeah exactly that round part. It's adjustable in most cases. Um, you know when when you when you go from pulling it to you know from half draw to full draw it's going to snap yeah. kind of snap back and that's that can that is the cam portion of it yeah. okay yeah um yeah my bow is like you said bob it's adjustable it can go up to 70 but i don't have it at 70 for the reason you described to be able to pull it a little bit more uh a little bit more easily and one thing that i do in the woods is about every hour i will stand up and draw my bow and a, a little bit of that is to build my own mental confidence because I haven't shot that many deer. It's not like I have dozens and dozens of deer that I've shot with my bow. So when I stand in the tree and, and grab my bow or sit and draw my bow, it's it's more to just go through the repetitions of the motion because it's a lot different than standing on flat ground, drawing your bow and aiming at a target in front of you. So I typically – draw my bow like i said once an hour just for something to do because i probably haven't seen anything and uh and then that's why in you the haven't morning, seen anything you're up there like moving left and right and draw on your bow and dancing oh i he hunts I, like uh, I do <laughs> i typically i typically so morning hunt for me get up in the tree still pretty dark right um start to break daylight a little bit i'll stand up and i'll stand for the first hour and i'm like doing a pirouette up there i'm looking around and turning around and doing this and doing that so like for the first hour where i think it's kind of like prime time i'm standing in my tree stand and then i'll sit for an hour and then i'll stand for an hour and that, that like breaks up the monotony to me but in a morning hunt if it's not terrible weather i'll actually take an arrow i use i typically have three arrows two with broadheads, one with a field point, and I'll take the arrow with a field point. Oh, granted, there's some risk involved with this, but I'll pick a leaf out on the ground and I'll shoot at it just for a practice shot from the tree. And if it was a good shot, I'll feel good. I'll get down and grab it and go home. If it was a bad shot, I'll say, good, I'm glad I wasted that bad shot on a leaf and I'll pick up my arrow and I'll go home. <laughs> now I know why you don't see any deer because you're fucking <laughs> out there swinging arrows across the woods. I mean, as a compound hunter, like, yeah, there's a, there's, I do the same, I don't do all the, the same things that you talked about, but I, I definitely do practice draws, um, especially early in the season. And especially if I haven't been, you know, in the first few times that I hunt a stand, like I'll do a couple practice draws, you know, I'll kind of imagine like where my shooting windows are and where I can imagine the deer coming in and I'll, I'll draw and I'll see what that so that I can see through my peep sight into my sight and be able to see that picture ahead of time, right? It's just kind of good rehearsal to be able to like, all right, th- this is where I can see a deer coming in, and I'll draw. And one, not only that, but like, like I mean, as you get older, like this is kind of a thing. Like as you get older, like you kind of like, you know, the muscles and the joints and things like that don't work the way they used to. So you like. You got to do this kind of stuff. Like I'd rather do a practice draw and kind of get like that blood pumping a little bit and get blood pumping into, into those muscles before 
it actually happens. I don't want to be, I don't want to have a deer in front of me and I'm creaking, <laughs> creaking and cracking as I'm, as I'm drawing my bow back because I haven't drawn the damn bow in, in two weeks. So it's something that I think a lot of compound hunters probably do. Um, I, I do, like I, I run through those motions, whether I'm hunting with my crossbow or whether I'm hunting with a gun. Like I try to envision like, all right, what am I going to do if a deer comes from this way? What am I going to do if a deer comes from this way? And you kind of rehearse that and like, I'll pull like what, how am I going to shift my body if I need to turn to, to shoot a deer coming from this trail or something. And it guaranteed every time the deer come from a different spot. I didn't fucking oh, yeah. think of. And I'm like, Oh shit. So me and me and Ryan have talked about this a lot. And like though, especially at the beginning of the season, like come October 1st, when I'm in the tree stand on, on Saturday, it's going to be, I'm learning how to hunt again. Because oh, yeah, it's like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it takes a little bit of discipline to be able to sit still and to be able to move slowly and to and to move quietly and things like that. So like we'll and, and I I feel like the first few hunts that I do, like I'm terrible. I'm I'm moving all the time or I, I pull my phone out and I'm checking shit and you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm just like, you know, you'll hear a twig snap behind you and you're just like immediately jerk your head over and you're looking at it. What was that? Oh Oh my God. God. What are you? What what is that? I'm so glad it's not just me. Exactly. I think, I think this is something that everybody does, but it takes a little bit of time by the end of the hunting season, like a twig behind me doesn't, it gets my attention, but does not phase me. Like I'm a stone dude. That's the 150. That's the 150 walking in when you think oh, you've been listening to squirrels all fucking night, all season long, every little is a squirrel. And then all of a sudden you don't look and you're like, where did you come from? Oh, dude. And it, and it takes a while to adjust like that adrenaline and like all the different, all the different things. Oh, Cause yeah. you'll hear that squirrel behind you, yep. right? You're sitting there and like, all of a sudden you hear that. Yep. And all of a sudden you're like. I swear they it's purposely coming. try it's to coming. sound that, like that a deer. Is, that is a deer, and it is right behind me. There's no way it's not a deer. Or, or here's another one, like right, like right as you start to get into twilight, right? As soon as like that sun starts to drop, shit starts to change in the woods. Oh, yeah. like, nobody's <laughs> yeah, business. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything turns into a deer, and then everything gets your heart going. So like, it, it takes a little bit of time to like to be able to harness that adrenaline to be able to say to that calm happens. Your, that happens to be able every to calm time yourself I down. Hunt. I can hunt the same spot twenty times in the season, and every night I'm going to look at the same branch, and every night it's going to turn into a ten point buck. Or imagine, like, or, or think about this: like the first time that you see a deer for the first time in a season. Right? Oh yeah, like, whether for, it's a, like, whether it's a Gumby or not. Right, you're sitting you're sitting mm-hmm. in the stand, and all of a sudden you see. You see movement, right? Our our eyes as as human beings are meant to detect movement. Like that's just with the way predators work. We are meant to detect movement, and all of a sudden, boom! You see that movement, and you're kind of honed in on it. And next thing you know, you see it's a deer, and dude, your heart rate goes berserk. Like you get buck fever, like you've never had before. It could it could be a yearling. You have no idea what it is, but you're you're like you go berserk. And, and, and especially the like the first few times that that happens, like it's nuts. But you know, come come you know Thanksgiving weekend or first week in December, like if I I see a deer in the distance, I'm like yeah, whatever. 
you know, like whatever. I'm calm as a cucumber, dude. Like that's yeah. a, but that, 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 uh, that 150 inch 10 point, he never shows yeah. up on that day. Yeah. His ass winds up showing up on that first day and I'm all, I'm all jacked up. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to lose my mind. So like, it, that's just kind of some of my, my early season stuff. And that's the kind of the, the, my, yeah, I'm going to learn how to hunt again this weekend. Like I, it's yeah. as much as I've hunted in 30 years of hunting or whatever I've done. And it's, Every the beginning of every season is always the hardest part for me because it's like I I don't know what I'm doing. I go yeah. up there. <laughs> I yeah. know, I, well, I, it's I, the I, same as fishing. Like we, how many times have we said it? The first time we we get up to win you, like the first night is just a unfuck the boat night. Yeah, get situated. Like it's not really about fishing. It's getting getting situated. Getting your you know first time we go out for the year. You're 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 making sure you're not even care about catching a fish. You want to make sure all your bulls cast all right. You got to organize your lures, make sure the boat runs right. Like it's more of get situated and get back into the groove of things. The same thing with hunting. Even walking out to the stand, like I'll just just I'll just gallivant out there. I'm just, I'm just yeah. you know just we're just walking and dragging my feet and kicking every stick and stepping on every stick. And then like as the season progresses, I realize. I can hear it. You know, I can sense myself being loud in the woods. So, like, I start to sneak out into my stand. I sneak out of my stand. And, but at first, I, I, I'm i a disaster hunting for the first, it's probably a couple of weeks. It takes me a little bit to get into it again. But once I'm into it, like, I'm, I, I'm a hunter again. Yeah. And, but, but for that first, I, I am rookie as hell for that first uh, probably two weeks. You know how when you guys are, really excited for hunting season like literally all year when like as the season comes it's all you can think about does anybody else when they get into the woods and they sit down they're finally like their their blood stops pumping as much because there's there's been sitting for about 30 minutes you guys ever just sit there and go why the hell do i keep doing this (laughs) there are times there are times i'm sitting in the tree stand and i'm like I am so like, bored out of my you're mind. You're sitting there. You're like, God, I forgot it was like this. Why do I get excited yeah, for this? Yeah, you get so excited. <laughs> and then when you get up there and you're like, after you're situated for about, it, it takes about 30 minutes, yeah. maybe maybe about 45 minutes. You're like, this is the most boring shit on earth, dude. Yeah. When's I the got, time I'm, to get I'm up? bored out of my mind. Well, I mean, of all the time that you spend in the woods in the season, you hunt 10 times, two, three hours at a time. You're talking 30 hours and you might have deer in front of you for a a cumulative hour maybe, you know? So, like, that ratio of deer in front of you to you sitting there staring at nothing, like, it vastly outweighs it. Like, it is boring Literally. Literally nothing. Yeah. It's just the um, same woods that you've seen for the previous 19 sets. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Last year was brutal for me because, I mean, I had passed the, the first, like, six hunts, I mean, I've told this story, but like the first six months, I had deer in front of me every night. Some small bucks, lots of does. And I mean, honestly, from like 15 minutes of getting out there, multiple, like every 15 minutes, I had a deer walking down some path, coming around me somewhere. Um, It was just constant movement, but nothing that I, at that time, wanted to shoot. And then like my gun went click on that buck. And then afterwards... I hunted like another 10 times and I never saw a fucking deer. And I sat for at least two hours each time. I generally try to sit for at least two hours, sometimes three, every single time. And I bet, like I said, I probably spent 30 hours of staring at nothing and not a single deer walked even around me. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And you try to like, 
least I always do. I try to like appreciate it. Like I try to not complain about it because there's so much other shit in life I could complain about. Complain about work. Uh, you know, the kids are screaming at home or you got bills to pay or whatever. Like this is your time to cherish that time in the woods, the quiet, the relax, but the same sense I'm bored out of my fucking mind. Yeah. Where what else am I going to be doing? Sitting at home, listen, you know, I mean, I guess you could be spending time with the family, like watching TV, whatever, but like, I try to really appreciate it and it's still hard because it's like, Oh my God, I'm bored. Especially after like eight or nine sits of not seeing anything. It's, it's like, I, I say it all the time, like in my head. I'll be like, just let me see some deer tonight. I don't give a shit if I shoot something tonight. Like, let me see some, like, get some action. Let me maybe see a buck come by and I didn't get a shot. Like, that would be sweet too, you know, or, 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 you know, let's see some does or maybe I just had a gumby. You know, like, there's times where, like, I've early season, I have like a little fawn, like, literally just eating acorns around my tree all night long. And it's still cool. Like, it gets to a point where, like, I just don't even care if I'm making movement. Like, if I scared away, I scared away, but it's cool. I got something to see, you know, but I really try to like appreciate it as best I can, but it's, it's tough. It really is. <laughs> I know like there's true, like hardcore hunters out there that are going to knock me for, for saying that, but oh, well to each his own. What are they going to knock you for? Being a badass. <laughs> I, I mean, no, for there our, are haters uh, out there. Yeah, Bob had to go tinkle. Yeah. No, I was just saying, like, I tried, as boring as it gets sometimes out there, I try to, like, cherish. I, like, slow down and, like, cherish the like, quiet out there compared to the rat race of life and work and dealing with 275 or 23 or 96. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the the bills at home or the problems you got at home. Like, I try to, try to just take a second to just... Look, even, you know, watch the squirrels, watch the birds, listen to the the crows, like, really try to. But even then, it's tough because, like, oh, my God, I've been out here two hours. I haven't seen shit. It's 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 tough, but you got to try to slow down sometimes because. What do I call it sometimes? I, I don't know. Tree therapy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I call it tree therapy all the time. I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're getting at here. Be like, I'm gonna, I'll, he's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to go out and get some tree therapy, dude. Yeah. And he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like to me, he, it's he's just, gonna go out and hug some trees. Like that's it, weird. Yeah, like, Why don't you go hunting, bro. Yeah, it, it is like being in the tree stand and and enjoying that serenity of being in the wilderness, regardless of the chainsaws and the guys and the four wheelers and all the other bullshit that winds up having around. That's what annoys me sometimes. You're out is, in, is that spot that we've been hunting? Like you got to listen to like the neighbors, and it's like, oh my god, this isn't quiet at all. That's but why I, it's still better than, like I said working or dealing with driving home and fighting traffic and whatever that's bullshit why that's I, in your life. You that's know? why I love a morning hunt because you, you watch that sun come up watching and then the, woods the blue, wake up. like the blue Jays, right? Yeah. Like the blue Jays, they make like this weird call, like this weird, like I've, I've heard them recently. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. That's the call. That, that's, that's not it. That's not it, but close. It's not even close, but uh, I think that's a Raven. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it, either way, like sitting in the tree stand, and once that and once that sun comes up, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh damn! Um, <laughs> watching that sun come up, and then like, and then being able to like hear the birds and the shit like that. It's yeah. just it's it's a different it's a different feeling, especially in the morning. In the yeah. in the evening, you you've got you know all the yuck yucks around, just trying to just. Yeah. 
Just the Googans. Living, all the Googans out there just living life. There's Googans in the woods, too. <laughs> all right, so all right, so that's what you guys do when you're breaking open your, your compound cases. So Jimmy and I will get into the crossbow prep, which isn't much different. Um, biggest thing for me is just from past experience, I'm checking my scope rings. I'm making sure those are tight. When I set mine up, I Loctite in them real good, so they're good, but I gave them just a make sure they weren't loose. Gave, tried to give them a little, a little bit extra uh, before I even shoot it, before I even try to shoot it because I want to make any adjustments because with a scope, if you even give one of the screws a slight turn, you can be throwing that reticle off a little bit. So that'd be the biggest thing, and then waxing the string. Um you know, checking everything out, checking the cam, checking the string. Um, but waxing the string is huge. And then with crossbows, you got a, a lube that you have to put on the rail. Otherwise, you can wear out your uh, your string pretty bad. So you got to put a coating of, it's almost like a silicone oil you put on the uh, the railing, lubricate it. Um, that's really the biggest thing for me. Jimmy, anything else like out of the box, out of the case that you're looking at? With yours, I know you're new to the game. I don't have a case. You don't even have a fucking case. <laughs> when I pulled out in my closet, what do I do with it? <laughs> so since <laughs> my trunk, I pulled out of my sock drawer, the, sitting sitting behind the shitter. The, <laughs> my, I dropped my phone in the toilet. <laughs> my trunk has just been progressively getting more full. It's just in your trunk. Yeah. So I've got that. Your your car is like this vortex I, of shit, listen, man. I still have. There's fishing got, poles in there. There's. I got my old oh my musty God. rod, the new musty rod, the red rod, the twenty gauge oh that we took. To you got the a gun shoot. in there too. <laughs> Jesus my seventeen. The cops ever pull you over? You're done. You you're got done. any guns in the car? What do you need? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Where? We going to war? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Who we got to take down? All right. You need a case for that, though. Like, I, I know I do. Like, they're, legit. Dude, they're so expensive. Not that though. bad. They're like 100 bucks. Well, they're not. For a plastic one? 60 bucks is the one I bought. If it's plastic? Yeah. Well, the hard plastic, yeah. It's not I'll the soft cases. It. I'll just... I'll just keep throwing around my backseat. Keep it free. <laughs> Folks, this is what you don't do. Just let the shit bounce around I'm, your vehicle. I'm, that's I'm, how your sights get thrown off. Yeah, the problem that's the problem. Is that like your sights are gonna get messed up, like your arrest can get messed up. Like yeah, your any, scope gets that, bumped once, it can get thrown off. Yeah. And it, it, it it's so minute that you can't tell, but at thirty or forty yards, yeah. it can be it's a couple inches. Yeah. And it's crucial. And then when you're when you're talking a rifle and you're talking a 100-yard shot, I mean, how much that reticle moves is so minor. Bumping that scope is is crucial. Like, not bumping that scope and keeping everything secure is The difference between crucial. a well-shot a well deer and a poorly shot deer a, is, and a, and a, Jimmy is shot a lot deer, of miles. Apparently. There's a lot of miles. Jimmy, get your shit together. God damn it. That's all I got to say. God. So Jimmy's got nothing else to, pr- to contribute it. to that conversation. Yeah, Jimothy. I, I, thanks so, for having me. <laughs> and J- that's why Jimmy's our mascot. No. First thing you need to buy with your next paycheck or couple paychecks is get a fucking case. Oh. Do you case your guns? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so you got he's got a twenty gauge just like seat belted into his passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> he's got seat belts on everything. Very big in the so he's got his crossbow in one. He's got his oh crossbow in a car seat. It's a twenty gauge down his pant wait, leg and calls it crazy. Do you have the seal. AC on it? Make sure the AC's on. Because <laughs> you don't want a cold you don't want AC, a warm string. The AC was on. He's got well he's got his case of beer in the one seat and the car seat strapped it. <laughs> crossbow in the other, shotgun in the front in the seat. <laughs> 
Parabellum. God damn, He's preparing like, for war. That's some. That's some that is some, uh, some redneck shit. Right I remember here. what it was. My, I have what? climate control in the car. And I, there's my, no way there's more to this, this. My daughter had the heat on one oh. day, and I forgot. So I had the I had the. Are you blaming heated seats on your warm no, beer? No, the heart the the beer was in the back seat with the heat just blasting on it because I had I had the air cranked on me. This I was thought, in the middle of summer. I know, and my you daughter had the, the heat on. I'm not buying it. No, I'm calling. Dude, bullshit. you don't know my family, man. My family's nuts. <laughs> All right. I'm changing so, the topic. So let's go back to the shitter. I'm still <laughs> still calling bullshit. Still calling All bullshit. Right. It smells. It reeks. It smells like that. Pour a potty. It we're moving on. So, like, like a big all right. Pile so of, like let's get into. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get into arrows. Mainly because you guys might have listened to one of the most recent meteor podcasts and they had that guy on who developed broadheads. Yeah, the guy yeah. sold so he, $120 arrowheads. Right. Yeah. It was a good podcast though. Yeah, but he talks good. heavily about heavier arrows. <coughs> He's an engineer. Right. That, that dude was a and mechanical He talks engineer, about heavier yeah. heavier arrows. But he's talking about penetration. But he's talking about, like, for a whitetail, he's aiming right at the shoulder. He's not aiming yep. right behind the shoulder because the heart is generally right, kind of right behind the shoulder. So a lot of times with a bow, when you're aiming right behind the shoulder, you're going to hit the lungs. So, yeah. Uh, so, but he's, so he's designed these broadheads and engineered these broadheads, I guess should say, with heavier generally heavier arrows so you're getting more kinetic energy to get better penetration so you can aim right at the shoulder it'll blow through the shoulder he's actually designed it to like go through elk i think yeah. yeah that's right so that's what i wanted to bring up is thoughts on that um let's not get too into necessarily the broadheads because that's what i'm talking about next but the arrow itself and where you're aiming oh man right lots lots more lots to unpack there but so with this particular with that with that guy, he was primarily designing the, a broadhead to be able to penetrate an elk shoulder is what he's really kind of looking. Well, at. he started designing them for whitetail, if I remember right. But now he's designing right with the idea of penetrating enough to get through an elk shoulder. And I don't which is the size of this table. Two schools of thought on this is is that. If, if you can properly place a shot, then you don't necessarily need to be able to penetrate the shoulder. Now, we all know that, like, that bad, that some shots don't always always end up where you want them to. And so well, they talk about so that in the podcast, how they've, he's taking they've that, literally shot deer that they've tried for miles that they hit in the lungs, but not the right part of the lungs. Right, right. Or maybe they just clipped the lung and... Right, and so there's there's a little bit to that, and you have to like understand a little bit of like the animal's anatomy in order to understand like where you should be placing that shot to get your best, your most, uh, you know, mortal shot on mm-hmm. a deer. And the the purpose behind what he designed was a, is a heavier gauge steel. It's it's uh, like uh, what do you call it? A tool steel is what mm-hmm. it, it. And he designed this broadhead off of that. And I looked, at, I, I I looked them up online. And I looked at these broadheads, and they're pretty, 
they're pretty rustic, man. They're like they're pretty rudimentary compared to what mm-hmm. the rest, uh, you know, all these other manufacturers are are offering out there. But they're also a, a hell of a lot more expensive. And so I would assume that you like you're getting a little bit more bang for your buck. Like you're getting you're getting what he's advertising, which is the ability to penetrate through, mm-hmm. you know, a, a deer scapula and things like that. And yep. so you you kind of have to weigh like what are you what are you trying to achieve through, you know, you know, with a white tailed deer, if white tailed deer is what you're hunting with. your Yeah. Let's keep the conversation at, I guess at white tail, because nobody else, odds are nobody else listening is about elk. So for the basis of this conversation, let's keep it around white tail. Is that even a a factor? Yeah. I I think that like, you know, penetration is huge when it comes to white tail. But are um, you buying arrows specifically because you want them to penetrate more no. or do you want them to be faster? How are you buying arrows? When I buy arrows, I, I'm looking at speed primarily. I'm, I'm, so I'm, you don't care I'm, about I'm kind of a energy. middle of the road. I'm kind of a middle of the road. I shoot like a 340 grade. I'm a what's on sale type of guy. <laughs> not No, not really. Like, no, I'm I, saying I, me. I, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I was just going to say I didn't realize you could look at them and go, this one's going to go fast. I, I go, oh, I, this one's only 40 bucks. different when you buy bolts or, or arrows there's different weights of those arrows a lot of people don't know this they just see arrows on the shelf and they oh this one's on sale but there's all different yeah. weights and it doesn't mean that a heavier weight is going to be better than a lighter weight it all honestly it depends on your bow there's a lot of factors into it like you there's, said there's, it's, there's, it's there's an onion factors. we're peeling it back but it it, it, it is a it is a many layered onion when it comes to like speed versus penetration versus weight. And, and there's a lot that goes into it. And this guy's a mechanical engineer. So he, he understands the mathematical part of that, right? Like your weight versus your speed of your bow and, and, and all these different factors that play into that. So for me, I've played around with it a little bit. Like I've always shot a hundred grain tips, right? hundred grain to me, was a little bit faster than a 125, right? I don't go, I, I've never ventured above that. I've never really ventured below 100 grains. So I don't shoot the 85 grains. I don't shoot like 150 grains. I, I keep it right at, uh, I've always shot 100 grains since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I've found that like my speed with 100 grain is kind of where I needed to be, kind of what I, what, you know, like, so when it comes to jump or when it comes to shooting whitetail, like whitetail are notorious for being able to jump the string. So especially on a compound, uh, crossbows are a little bit faster, so you don't necessarily worry about that so much. But as a compound hunter, you do have to worry a little bit about those deer are going to duck a string a little bit. So you have to you you need speed to a certain extent, and but I also need penetration, and um, I've experimented with broadheads since I was twelve years old from anything from nap thunderheads like i shot those for a nap thunderheads 100 grain that was like that was which what, is just a three blade fixed broadhead right that's what that's what my neighbor shot and he killed lots of deer with it and he was like this is a th- this is what you need to use and i was like all right you know so that's what i use they're still and around I, to this day and they are they're and nap is a good brand and I've, I've i've shot deer with them and i've killed deer with them and then eventually, like, I don't know, there's something in you that is just like, I want to I wanna kind of explore this avenue. So I explored Muzzies, right? So Muzzy was a huge brand at the time. This is kind of throughout the 2000s, late 2000s or so. And I, I so I explored Muzzies, and I killed a lot of deer with Muzzies, killed uh, like a significant amount of deer with Muzzies, and then I lost one. 
So I shot a deer, a nice old buck. He was super old, super old, super wide, kind of short tines on him. But you could tell this bull, this this buck was eight, he was seven, eight years old. Like he was huge. Like and he was he was a big bodied deer, and I shot him from a kind of a bad angle. But I shot it with a muzzy, and when I did, I never found the deer. Didn't find the deer until the next year. Actually, a buddy of ours who was out rabbit hunting, his beagles got onto the deer and found the deer, and he brought the arrow back over to Dad's and said, hey, is, is this one of your guys' arrows? And sure enough, it was my fucking arrow. Mm. And he's like, I found it in a skeleton out there. So I killed this deer, but never found it. Mm. And, it and that 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 hit me deep. You know that that kind of cut me deep a little bit, and I was like, "All right, well, I, no, I, I there's need nothing to, worse than wounding right. a deer and knowing no, you nothing, fatally, nothing you fatally killed it." And, the worst feeling on earth, yep. and and I was pretty bummed out about it. And I really loved my muzzy three blades that I was shooting for a long time. And I said, "You know what? All right, I'm watching all these hunting shows and shit, and I'm a I, I am a sucker for advertisement as as we, as we could tell when the in the last." Uh, when we were drinking Miller Lights for a week. <laughs> for it's a, not we. For I, don't a whole wa- I don't want to be thrown into that because I had a Miller Light and a half. We, uh, what, you still drank it, but either way. Because that's all you had. Right. <laughs> Bring some beer, goddammit. But I did the next week. <laughs> so, so either way, I was like, I'm watching all these guys, and Rage had come out with their, their two blades, their two blade, two and a quarter, two and a half inch cut, whatever it was, and I'm watching. I'm watching Drury's just smoking deer with these things and, and creating a, a giant cavity in these deer. And I'm like, you know what? I want to try these. Why not? So I, I I strapped on a couple of Rage broadheads, and it was at the time was very mainstream, very uh, like everybody was shooting them. So I was like, why not? And then I killed probably, I don't know, five to ten deer. And watch them fall from the tree stand. I would shoot these deer with these rage broadheads, and they would, I they'd run off about twenty meters, and then just fall down and die. And I was like, "Holy shit!" It, it, it absolutely changed my mind when it came to like mechanical let's, broadheads versus let's, versus the fixed blades. Let's hold that thought before we get into broadheads because I we let's, what what let's, am I what, what, what was the beginning of this arrows arrows weight so, weight yeah. <laughs> Heavy All versus right. light. Let me get back. Speed on. versus energy. Let me get back. So <laughs> bring it on back. Bring I, it I on cont- back. I cont- I have contemplated at certain times using a heavier grain um, or a heavier broadhead and a heavier arrow because you know the obvious you know laws of mechanics will tell you that you know sending something heavier at at high speeds is going to cre- create more momentum or velocity through the right. deer and be able to penetrate a little bit farther. And I've thought about that, but haven't really implemented it. I've pretty much shot the same grain arrow since yeah. since I switched over to carbon arrows. I mean, back in the day, we used to shoot aluminum arrows. But I eventually, when I switched over to carbon, I, I uh, you know, locked on to 400 grain to 340 grain arrows and, and just kind of stayed in that wheelhouse my whole time. And I found that that speed, I practice well at that, meaning I can shoot targets out to 50 yards and be able to pattern them really well. And I'm able to like, I, and it has enough speed that I believe that, you know, yeah. is, is where I want it to be. Yeah, Cause you add, you add that extra weight to the arrow shooting at 50 yards. It's going to be, it's going to be drastic at um, how much more it drops It'll at 40, noticeable. 50 yards. So yeah. I know I, I, Jimmy, I, you've never thought about it. Cause you probably didn't know that we were talking, <laughs> what we're talking about. 
Do you use You're carbon new to fiber or aluminum arrows? All of them are carbon, yeah. Yeah. I don't know too many people that are going to be using aluminum anymore. Well, some I mean, do. I think but. it's uh, what is it, Easton? Easton or or Car- no, it's not Carbon Express. It's got to be Easton that makes the Full Metal Jackets that are like a carbon and aluminum hybrid yeah. type type arrow. Yeah. And there's there's different there's different pluses and minuses to from carbon to aluminum. You won't find very many aluminum out there anymore. Most no. uh, most anything that you shoot is carbon. And uh they're a little bit lighter and they flex a little bit more, well, you know, you 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 want some bend to your arrow as it comes off the bow because that's what creates that speed. That's what If you ever watch the slow energy. motion it, uh, arrow take off, it's unreal how much that arrow bends. It yeah. just I mean, you don't you don't even notice it, but Jason, is this anything you've ever thought about is what are you doing are you in paranormal activity he's like in the to, dark walking through his house i had to move to get to the computer charger oh, man. no joke what? i know it's around, i know it's close to halloween but shit man i will say you that i got me. i got the 125 broadheads instead of the hundreds because we're using i was told there, that there's, a, there's a, nothing wrong with that so like, that's so that's okay i'll get there I was told with crossbows, that's kind of what you like because mine. So mine I mean, it's it's a it's always been like a general rule that with crossbows because they shoot so fast, you should shoot 125 green. Super stiff arrow. I call bullshit because a lot of these new compound bows shoot just as fast as crossbows. Yeah. We got into this debate, and I've always shot 100. Never had any issues with it, and I can shoot up 40 yards and pattern pretty good. And I use 100. I've never noticed any issues with it. You know, I, um, I think a little bit of it is preference. It's just what oh, yeah, it's just what you feel comfortable with and your abilities. Yeah. And, and I've and never like tried that. the two side by side, like put on 100 grain on these arrows, put 125 on these to see the difference. I've never done that. You know, maybe it would. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to break it down more. But Jason, are you with us now? Oh are, yeah, are I've back? been with you. Oh, I I didn't know what you were doing over there. I thought Michael Myers was getting your ass. Yeah. All right. So, is this anything you've ever thought about when buying arrows? It is. Um, so, over the last couple of years, as I watched more and more of the hunting public, and they promote the guy named the Ranch Fairy, and he does a bunch of tests, and they talk about arrow weight, broadhead weight, inserts, the whole nine yards. It's something that I'm interested in. And when I do pull the plug on a new bow, I'm going to literally jump into the deep end and, and fine tune it and go the heavier arrow route. Um, I'm going to take the time to tune the bow, go the extra step because up until now, right? Like I said, I've listened to it. I've watched it. I like the idea. I like the idea of the momentum, um, the penetrating power. And I just haven't spent the time to sit down and do that in-depth of an analysis on my bow and actually taking into account and, like I said, doing some of those fine-tuning adjustments when you do increase your arrow weight. Um, but I'm I'm convinced, I guess, because I like the idea. You had brought up a good point, Bob. Make a good shot, and all bets are off. It doesn't matter. Light arrow, heavy arrow, light broadhead, heavy broadhead. You make a good shot, the deer's going to die. But That's easier said I like, than done. It is. And There's that's so many why, variables into a good shot. Yeah. That's why I believe in going to that heavier setup.
because the convince what what I was convinced with when I heard it was the heavier setup gives you a larger margin for error because when you inevitably do hit bone, it's going to blow through it and you don't have to be worried about it. So you're not taking willy nilly shots, but when things don't go perfect, now you have a bigger margin for error to kind of cover, you know, it's like an insurance policy. So I do want to go down that road. I have been hesitant to do it yet because I don't want to put all that time, money and effort into this bow that I realistically won't have for very much longer. So I'm going to shoot what I've got. And then, like I said, when I do pull the trigger, get a new bow, I'm, I'm going to potentially, I feel like I want to dive in and, and really go forth and, and mess around with that stuff. So it's, it's it intrigues w- me and I just haven't quite taken the step to fully investigate it, but it does intrigue me and I want to learn more about it. It's, it's a pretty deep rabbit hole, man. You can, you yeah. can dive into that when it yeah. comes to arrow length, arrow weight, draw mm-hmm. weight, draw length. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can dive into this stuff and dissect all it's the a data. Science, and it, it really, it, it really is. And and to his credit, the the guy that that engineer who would design mm-hmm. that broadhead had done all that testing, years he, he, and years, years of years and years of like of of who of was just, it? I, I don't. I don't remember the guy's, the guy's name, but it was on the Meat oh. Eater podcast. One of their more recent ones. It was a really. I mean, at first I started listening to the episode and I wasn't like super interested, but then the more this guy got into it, like I was really, really interested in like all this research this guy had and all the facts that he had and to back up, um, you know, his research. And there are not many people out there that are doing that type of research to find <laughs> out because he's trying to design a broadhead that can, that can go through the shoulder because he's, you know, in his theory, like, the hard shot is the best shot you could, you should take. The long shot, there's room for error. Um, <clears throat> so it was just interesting. So if you get a chance, I highly recommend that episode. So when I was stationed down in Fort Benning, I went through like a period of time. Like I was, I would go out there to the range. They have a really nice archery range, and I would go out there, and we would shoot. Me and a buddy of mine, and he had a a new Matthews, and he was. You know, I had I had an older uh, bear G2SQ, and I would go out there, and his was noticeably faster than mine. And, uh, you know, when we're shooting, when we started shooting at range, and we're shooting at, you know, beyond 30 yards, so 30 yards to 35 to 40 and so on and so forth, like he was zipping them in there, man. He's grouping them really tight. And I know I'm a pretty good shot with a bow. But, like, as I started to shoot out at, like, 40 yards, I noticed that my, my pattern was terrible. And I started, so I started tweaking with arrow weight. I started tweaking with, I, I changed my rest, changed my sights, changed a lot of things just on my my individual bow to try to, I changed my release, a lot of different things just to try to tighten that pattern as well as I could. And we would shoot out there all the time. And it was like a very much a, an experimental thing for me to figure out how can I make the best out of this one particular bow. And that, and, and what I, so what I shoot now is very much part of that. Like the arrow weight I shoot, the release I shoot, everything that I shoot is very much because I spent a ton of time shooting and a ton of time trying to figure out how can I close, close that pattern. You know, once I upgrade a bow, that was huge. Like that was probably the biggest thing I, that I did was, 
you know, get get into a more modern bow that was, you know, a lot more faster and able to, you know, execute that shot at one of the ranges. But at the same time, like being able to understand the limitations and some of the different things that that affect arrow flight, whether that be from a rest. I shot a I shot a, a whisker biscuit rest for years, and that was the first thing I changed, and it was night and day. I changed that to a drop away rest, which improved my accuracy huge. And then I changed my release to an old Fletch Hunter release that I used to a, a new Scott's uh, Little Goose, which is what I shoot now. And it was you it was, got there by years uh, of practice, it, but it definitely took a lot of time and a lot of practice, and in in a lot of changing it up like this isn't working i'm i'm not able to pattern at 40 i'm not patterning well at 40 like how can i tighten this up and when i change my rest tighten it up a little bit when i change my release tighten it up a little bit when i drop my arrow weight a little bit tighten it up a little bit so you will see a little bit more accuracy at distance with a lighter arrow just because it's going to fly it's it's just going to fly it's going to fly farther straighter faster it's just it just does that but so it's, you know, it's a trade-off. It, it really is. You it just really, got to figure out what you've got application you're doing. And he even said in that podcast, like for white-tailed deer, it it probably isn't as much of a factor, honestly. Right. It, I think compared to elk or moose or some of the bigger game animals, um, I just thought you know for for this conversation it'd be interesting. So so let's get in into broadhead. So Bob's big on the rage, rage in the cage. Yeah, I've shot him for years. I'm not as convinced because, uh, uh, well, I mean, I've shot two deer with those rage. One I got, the other one I did not get. <laughs> I don't know what happened with the second one. I don't know if I hit it bad um, or if I hit it good and the broadhead didn't do what it's supposed to do. So I don't know. I'm 50-50 on the rage. I'm going to continue to use them because I've got three of them, and I'm going to use them up, and I've seen – some of the deer you shot and how far they've ran. So rage is what I'm going to use for now. Um, there's a couple different ones on the market that, you know, I'm interested in. Um, <clears throat> when you get into rage itself, there's like a million different type of rage. Right. You use a chisel tip. Yeah. That's one that I've actually thought about switching to. Cause that was one that, um, that the guy in that podcast talked about his, I believe he said his, uh, have a chisel tip on it. Yeah. For for busting through stuff, so where the ones I use, they just have a blade on the end. They don't have that anything to bust through anything. If you do end up hitting a bone, so um, that's I don't know. Again, I'm going to use what I've got because those things are forty dollars for a pack of three. I'm going to use them up, and hopefully I kill three deer with them. But um, I'll worry about that hopefully next season and after I've got I've depleted my my broadheads. But I um, so rages are mechanical. I've never used a fixed one my entire time of hunting. Um, mechanicals have been around. I don't remember ever using anything besides mechanicals. Even back when I first started hunting, I was using they were called shock waves by Nap. Use the shock waves or the split fire. And they so they like the rages. They their their blades slide back and then they pop open. Yes, yeah, the shock fire. waves would like flower open. <laughs> like I don't know if they're a good design. They're still out there. I've seen them. I killed some deer with them, but those blades are toast by the time they pop. They fly open. Like I don't know. I was never really sold on them, but that's just what Dad would give me, and I, I used them. That's kind of why I went to the Rage. It was like that slip cam kind of technology yeah. is that it's not flipping open. It's sliding back is all it's really doing. 
And some of the like the opponents to Rage will tell you that like they have deployment problems, like either an arrow flight, meaning like when they fire it, like the the blades deploy and it sends the arrow flight off or something like that. That can also be chalked. I mean, like hindsight is always twenty twenty, and we, like you look at it, like if you make a bad shot on it, you're gonna the first thing you're gonna do is look to blame anything, yeah. blame your arrow, blame your bow, blame your your broadhead or whatever it might be in 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 how many the the percentage of deer i probably shot 20 deer with rage and i lost one deer i lost one deer because i made a poor shot on that deer and i know i made a poor shot it didn't matter what broadhead i could have hit that thing with i could have hit it with a sledgehammer it wouldn't have um you know it probably still wouldn't have killed that deer the way the way that i wanted to because i made a poor shot on the deer but other than that any deer that i've ever hit you know with with that particular broadhead has killed it you know the the one hanging on the wall right there is i i i i had a bad angle on that deer i took the best shot i could at the angle that i had and i still killed that deer with a that was with a two blade rage 100 grain chisel tip you know, I, I chose a chisel tip. I, you know, I shot I shot the, the normal bladed ones for years, and then I chose a, a chisel tip when they came out. I don't know why. You're, I just, I just you're a very... Uh, um, I'm a gimmicky kind of you guy. You are. You like, you see a commercial for something, you're like, I got to have it. Yeah. Hence the muscular show in your boat. <laughs> yeah, hence, hence the shit show in my boat. I'm no different. Let's, I'll be honest. I know Jason's probably you know, no different like, either. But well, I've, I've got to see it. I've got to see something like proven. Like show me that it works, and then uh, maybe I see a lure, it. and I'm like, man, that looks sweet. I gotta have it. We're we're all guilty of like looking at a broadhead and being like, do you, how do you pick a broadhead? You just walk in to Dunham's or What's to on sale or to Dicks <laughs> or to Cabela's or whatever, and just be like. That looks badass. I'm gonna uh, buy it. Dix doesn't no, like, sell hunting equipment because they're true, a bunch true. of idiots and liberals. So true. So like <laughs> you, you've got to have something to go on, right? And like when you sit here and watch, uh, you know, Drury's kill these mammoth deer, these giant deer with this exact broadhead. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. There's no reason why I can't. Yeah. Like I said, uh, out of probably 20 or mammoth deer don't walk in front of you that's one reason you can't do it <laughs> well Truth. well you know like so again in 20 for plus, me for sure 20 plus deer that i've that i've shot with rage broadheads i've lost one that's a pretty good ratio i, I don't i don't i mean it sucks that i lost that deer but at the end of the day like it, it's i have confidence in what i'm using and that that's key it, it's not yeah. You can shoot Montex and in G five or whatever the hell the all these different all these different brands that are out there Spitfires and I will say Montex can uh, go to hell. You can shoot. I shot a three pack of Montex. I shot three deer with them, and I don't think I found a single one. Well, no, the one is the deer that I found that I shot later in the year um, that I didn't kill. But I ended up actually shooting with my muzzleloader later in the season. But I shot a three-pack of Montex, and every single deer I hit, and so that the one that we found that the coyotes ate was a Montex. Like every deer I shot with that, either I found it and never, or, or and like didn't recover it, or never found it. But I hit them all. That's a Michigan company, you know that, right? 
Well, they can go to hell. <laughs> hell uh, they, they will so, not get any more of my money. That's all I got to so, say. I, I love supporting Michigan brands. Make better shit. But it, like I say, I, like, it was probably poor shots. I'll be honest with you, like, but I've just got a stigma against them. But. You shouldn't be picking a broadhead based off of like what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like you should probably do a little bit of research on it and figure out one how it, how does it, like if it's a mechanical, how does it deploy? If it's a fixed blade, like what's the cutting diameter? How well does this shoot compared to my field tips and things like Nine that? Inch diameter. Need it. At the end of the day, what it what it really boils down to is being able a to, basketball hole. It's got that a bucket. frisbee on the end of it, <laughs> dude. I, I, there's some wild ones out there. There's some there's some yeah. there's some broadheads out there that are. You ever seen the guillotine? Yeah, I, I watched. I watched. My buddy showed me turkey videos of do, of like decapitating these turkeys with these guillotine. I think that'd be cool uh, shit. The hunt turkeys like, with a bow. Jesus, man, Jason, we need to do that in the spring. Is that even allowed in spring? Yeah, let's do it. Let's but film that, that shit. It's hard enough to get them with a gun. I just want. I I think I'll do it. You you can sit on the other side of the woods with a gun. I'll sit with my bow. And I'll listen to you shoot them. But the Sounds things you, the things you should be looking at when you look at a broadhead is like how one what are the blade what are the blades constructed of what kind of metal are they constructed of how thick is that how fast are you how fast are you trying to get and you know whether it's fixed blade or it's you know some kind of See, I've, I've never I, shot I think a of fixed like a blade. Fixed I know blade. people who are like very strict with like fixed blades the only way to go right even right. with crossbow or in these faster compounds like they say that the if it's if your arrow's tuned right your bow's set up right like the the flight's not that different that's I, what they say i, I just I've never re- done it i just remember when i used to shoot muzzies like i would shoot i would shoot field tips throughout the summertime in practice and then right before the season i would shoot the they would give you a practice blade that would go that you would snap into like a head of a muzzy and then you would have to shoot that and retune i would have to retune my bow completely yeah. Like I would have to change my sights because it was it was that far off. Like you're talking a good three four inches off yeah. on the arrow flight. Well, and, you know, each 20, one, 30 yards, each one's like, gonna fly a little different. <laughs> well, it, it was, yeah, it was weird. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't really happy with that. Like having having to think about how the the Indians the did it back head. in the day with a fucking arrowhead on a stick. <laughs> yeah, uh, they so, killed buffalo with that shit, and we're sitting here talking about the weights of. Of our carbon fiber there's, arrows with the different mechanical broadheads, and there's a little bit to it. Yeah. So, Jimmy, what, what broadhead you got? I have the Rage, <clears throat> just the, a regular crossbow the, rage, the crossbow rage yeah. with the blade on the tip. Yeah, fuck those; they don't work. No kidding. That's what, I, that's what heard, I've got. I've heard good things. So I have heard good things. I've seen, like I said, I've seen Bob's, and I, have, I bought two boxes, two packs of them. Well, so you I have fucked six. up there. So I've You're got, I've got more than enough. You have a semi-auto crossbow, and then I bought, uh, <clears throat> and then I bought. I don't even know what brand, but I bought some fixed broadheads too. If I want to switch to like small game, not He's not way too expensive ones. And shit. Yeah. So, Jason, what are you using? I because you're the only one that's point. actually killed anything recently. <laughs> no, I the first pack of broadheads that I got when I got my bow were Shockwave 125s. That like you said, open up like yep. a flower. Yep. Um, first deer that I hey, shot. Hey, I killed deer with them. Like they worked. Yeah. It's just I made a good shot, and the deer died, and I harvested it. And then I made a bad shot, and the deer died, and I harvested it. So I was good there. And then I only had one left, and I switched over to 
muzzy three blade 125s and like you said bob i noticed that they really did fly a lot different than my field point so i had to mess around with that and i made a bad shot the deer might have died and i didn't find it and then i realized that i i they were not very sharp right like i wanted them to be potentially dangerous dangerous sharpness level and i i they didn't have that and i struggled to try and sharpen them so the next go around i walked into a bow shop i told the guy that i was looking for a fixed blade that was sharp out of the package that had good arrow flight and he pointed me to slick tricks and i've shot those for a handful of years i've made good shots with them the deer has died and I harvested it. I've made bad shots with them. The deer has died and I harvested it. And I've made bad shots that I crawled through rose bushes and the deer wasn't dead yet and I didn't find it. But the one thing with the slick tricks, I haven't hit any major bone like through the shoulder blade or anything like that. But I've shot, let me try to do the math real quick. One in Wisconsin, three in three in New York and one deer in Michigan with those slick tricks. I guess the the deer that I shot in the spine in New York, no, I did not get a pass through there, but that was a bad shot. You could hit it with I a did. field tip in the spine. You're going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. But the other deer, um, every other deer has been a pass through. And it has gone, you know, and hit some ribs. Like I said, I've never, I haven't run into a major bone yet, but it's, I've had pass-throughs, good blood trails. We will save the intestine shot deer for another time. We'll talk about that story. But um, yeah, I mean, I got the slick tricks. They're sharp. Like you think of uh, the test that I kind of use to appease my feelings is, you take your fingernail, like maybe your thumbnail, and you set the broadhead on it. You hold your fingernail vertical and you set the broadhead on it and see if it slides. It's kind of like a fish hook, right? Yeah. You can use a fish hook. And, man, those things out of the package, it is sticky sharp, right? Yeah. Like it sticks to your – and I'm like, okay, that is that is one factor that I can control. How sharp is the broadhead? Out of the package, those are very sharp and I'm confident in them. And they shoot – close enough to my field points that I I haven't been able to tell other than, you know, just your variation in shooting yeah. one arrow to the next. Like, they're good. They, they hit where I'm aiming, so I'm convinced. And yeah. so, yeah, I've been using those for, like, five or six years. It's funny you say that about them, uh, the sharpness of it, because they talk about it in that podcast, about how a lot of broadheads, broadheads are not sharp out of the package. Yeah. I yeah. never thought about it. A test that I've heard is you take a rubber band between your thumb and your index finger and you stretch it with not, – not really, really taunt, but you just stretch it so that it's not loose and run the length of your broadhead blade on that rubber band. And if it doesn't cut it, it's not sharp enough because they said arteries and things in a deer are elastic. They're not rigid and tight. Like you mm -hmm. think of when you're cutting – think of when you're cutting braided fishing line, right? Mm -hmm. That's what has to be taunt so that when you cut it, it slices. They say arteries and stuff are more forgiving. And so if your broadhead is dull and it's going through there, it's just moving stuff out of the way. 
yeah. like arteries and things, not necessarily cutting them. So yeah, those are just things well, that, that's kind of what he talked about, why his broadheads were so expensive, because it's made of a steel that is so durable yeah. that they had said that the by the time a blade gets through the hide and any bone and things like that, it's already doled up so much that it's not yeah. razor sharp. You all right? Yeah. So it's not that. razor sharp. So by the time it gets to those arteries or that organs, you know, yeah. it's not going to be as sharp because it's cheaper steel. That's why these broadheads are right. you can buy a three pack for thirty bucks. Ten dollars a broadhead is is not that expensive when you think about it. Yeah. But his broadheads were a hundred and something dollars for a three yeah. pack. I think or hundred. I looked them up. I looked them up. Yeah, three pack was a hundred and twenty bucks, which. It, the price of venison is going up, but well, you think about it though. If you're hunting again, he's tailoring those to elk or moose, yeah. right? If I'm going on a moose hunt or an elk hunt, and I'm going to be using my bow, what's 120 dollars to get a broadhead? That's that's going to be the best broadhead I can possibly get to penetrate yeah. and be sharp. Like that trip's going to yeah. cost enough as it is, you know. One thing that's funny, you talk about the rage in the cage motto. The slick trick motto is slick trick slug hole. And the deer that I've shot, like, when you look at the hole that it puts in them, okay, it's not exactly as big of, like, a shotgun slug, but holy crap, it is a – it's a hole. And I know I've seen – the guys that I hunt with in New York, they all use Rage, and my goodness, it looks like you went at the thing with a fillet knife. I've seen some right? of Bob's, and it's like – I mean, it's it's like, how, how did it make that big of a hole? The blade itself isn't that fucking big, but it's like the gash is so big on it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's insane. Looks like he took an axe to the side of the right. or something. It's it's insane. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean it's again, that's one of those things that's personal preference, honestly. Like we all just talked about like four different types of broadheads. I mean, rage is the yeah. most common for sure. Um I'm just jumping on Bob's bandwagon. I don't really have much success necessarily. The last yeah, uh I mean, probably five or six deer that I've shot have actually been with a firearm. I haven't shot much with a bow in it's been a while since I shot a deer with a bow, honestly. I've thought so, about, I've thought about slick tricks. I've looked at them and yeah. you know, when it, when I make when, it, if I do make a switch, it would probably be, it would probably be to slick trick. Yeah. Like I've, I just heard great things about them. I know I have buddies and stuff that shoot those. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like well I said, when them. I walked into the, I walked into that bow shop and I just told the guy, you've got a lot more experience than I do. I can see the deer on your wall. I've heard your stories. <laughs> like you've got more hours and more time invested in this than I do. This is what I'm looking for. You've got 10 different brands sitting up on the rack. Like you said, that's only 10, right? Go to a big store and walk through the aisle of broadheads and there's 50. Yeah. And I was like, here's what I'm looking for. What do you got? And he said, here's what I use. And this is why I use it, and it meets your criteria. And it was those yeah. slick tricks. So, well, hopefully they work for you, and then we'll all jump yeah. on the slick trick bandwagon. And, uh... But honestly, okay, let's fast forward to when I get a new bow setup. I would entertain looking at like those single bevel broadheads that are gaining more and more popularity. Heavy single bevel. Yep. So, hmm. anyway. I just sent you guys a picture. <clears throat> uh, one time I was hunting with a crossbow. I was I, My buddy let me borrow his crossbow, and I was sitting out in the woods, deer hunting. Well, sitting in the woods because I didn't see any deer. But uh, a squirrel was messing with me, 
and was literally maybe 15 feet in front of me and was there for a good 45 minutes just taunting me and stuff. And I had the Rage Broadheads on there. So I you did just, not shoot a squirrel with a Rage Broadhead. I, I took the Broadhead off and just drilled it with an arrow without a Broadhead on it at all. That is no, such a waste of a Broadhead. <laughs> no, field, no field tip or anything, just wasted an arrow. But as you can see, the shot placement was pretty damn good. I got it behind the ear. <laughs> I remember. Jesus I remember Christ. hunting in the UP, and, uh, and I was I wasn't hunting too far from Dad. Oh yeah. And, and he was hunting in a tree stand, and he had a red squirrel like fucking with him like all night long, like all afternoon, just just sitting there messing around right in front of him, and it climbed this tree right next to him, and my dad goes out loaded for bear, and he's got you know his his six five. Oh 6.5 by 55, you know, as Swedish Mauser with him and shit. And then he was carrying a 357 Magnum <laughs> uh, as a sidearm. And he pulled out that 357 and shot that fucking red squirrel in the tree next to him. Yeah, and I, ran I, up I remember, like, I remember like six hearing feet the away shot. from him. He ran up a tree right next to him and just sat like eye level with him. Like just going <laughs> ape shit on it. He just boom, pulls it up and dirty did. Harry's his ass and <laughs> shot amazing. that red squirrel at five feet with a three fifty seven uh, magnum. I was like, Jesus Christ. That, all, like, that's that's, pretty worth, awesome. that's yeah. almost worth ruining your whole hunt and scaring every deer away. <laughs> he didn't care because that, that squirrel is driving him nuts. Oh, it, man. There's times where I've thought about it where I'm like, I'm shut the fuck up. If it helps, I did eat that squirrel. That, that that's a better. Picture of. That's yeah. better. I used to shoot varmints back in the day. You know, possum or, or raccoons that would, you know, come in. And I've done like it that. before. I've, but I did it one time. I shot a raccoon one time, and I fucked up, and I shot him uh, with broadhead. Like, I should have switched to, like, field tip or, like, some junky-ass one. And the fucking thing ran off with it. And I'm like, oh my God. between the arrow and the broadhead, it just lost, like, 25 bucks. I, I, I had the chance I had of having a coonskin cap. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not. That's a good topic to talk about, though, by, by the way. I shot a raccoon one time on, you know, it, I think this was, this was years and years and years ago, back when we could bait, and I had a bait pile, and this raccoon came in, and I was like, you know what? I'm getting rid of this bastard. He came in, like, the last three nights or something like that, and I shot him with a broadhead, and that thing, like, <laughs> and when I shot it, it went ape shit, and like it, it just blood just everywhere. blood everywhere, and like it was like a massacre all it's over like, your baby. It, it was like a it was a scene out of out of Jeffrey Dimer a Dimer all over my all over my corn, <laughs> all the corn I had on the ground. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never shooting another no. goddamn raccoon. It's no. not worth it. Let him come in. Let him eat. Do whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't done that in years. I used to carry. I used to carry a specific broadhead. It was like an old like rage that I had, or like an old muzzy or something like that. That I would keep that just for those possums and and raccoons and different varmints that would come in or a, you know, if I saw if I saw if I see a coyote like if I see a coyote come by, I'm shooting that with whatever I got. Like oh, 100. I'm shooting that with uh, with a brand new rage. I'll put a rage in his neck, cut his fucking head off. Yeah, I will. I will. (laughs) I will do whatever I got to do to like to smoke a coyote. Like yeah. That's a different story, but yeah. Well, I think we've covered just about everything for for prep. Um, I mean, we talked about tree stands, tree stand safety. Talked about getting our bows set up, um, broadheads, arrows. Um, I don't think there's really much else to talk about. We got trail cameras up. Um, you know, we're three days away from the season, so 
Hopefully, all of us get out in the woods. Jimmy, you said you're not hunting next week. Or this I'm, not, weekend? I'm not sure. Probably not, to be honest. And Jason, you have any plans of hunting before New York? I, I don't know. Honestly, I was talking about that with my dad today, and I think I'm going to try to focus as much as I can on some musky fishing um, and maybe just shoot my bow and practice and get ready for New York. Um, yeah. Still got quite a bit. I was taking inventory. I still have quite a bit of venison since I shot two bucks last year. Yeah. So it's not like I'm uh, – I'll probably be in the camp of being a trophy hunter this year and just kind of holding off unless I see Bullwinkle come through and just, yeah. I have a little, I have a little cheap video camera that I've always wanted to do more videotaping in the woods. Like not, not high quality at all. Like yeah. this thing is 50 yeah. bucks off Amazon. Right. But I've, <laughs> I've taken it with me a couple of times. I videotaped a coyote actually that was walking around. That was kind of cool. I didn't shoot it. I videotaped it. Um, but I think this year I may just, enjoy you know spend some high quality weekends in the woods and focus on that at the end of october take the video camera out and just enjoy it you didn't shoot the coyote no it was actually chasing a gray fox around in the woods see every hunt becomes a coyote hunt if there's a coyote in front of me that's that's my policy there the guys in new york when they're up there for gun season they have a um a little pot of money for whoever shoots the biggest coyote Nice. So. Yeah. Hmm. Good shit. I'm definitely going to get out this weekend. I'm going to try to hunt as much as I can the next couple weeks. And then you get into that October lull, which is a real thing where you don't see shit like the third, really the third week of October. Once you get into the end of October around Halloween and the first week of November when the rut kicks on, that's when I'll really shift gears. I'm going to get out these next couple weeks just because early season kind of they're still on their, their normal patterns can be good. Um, and really, I'm just itching to get out in the woods and get out there. So I'll be out this weekend, probably Saturday and Sunday, and then a couple of days next week. You know, Bob's going to get out, right? Yep. Absolutely. That's the plan. I'm going to be so, out both Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully. Yeah. Before you know it, we'll be talking gun season prep because – That'll be right around the corner. Because so. Lord knows if I haven't gotten my bow out, I certainly haven't shot my gun yet. <laughs> yeah, none of us have. But I gotta shoot I gotta get that four fifty in the range. Dude. Yeah. We've all got four fifties now. Well, except for Jason, you don't have four fifty, do you? I mean, well, what I end up doing is the last few years, I've sat the opening day of gun with my muzzleloader and just listened to my dad or brother shoot deer. Then the next day, when they sleep in, I take their gun, which is either Jake has the 450, which I shot the buck with last year. Two years ago, my dad has a uh, bolt action Mossberg slug gun that I've shot some deer with. So he'll shoot one on the first day, and I take that the next day when he sleeps Well, when you take your own gun, you forget to load it anyway, so... That happened. You're <laughs> as long right. As, as long as he takes anything but the gun he brought to the to that shoot. Oh, <laughs> take that the old <laughs> Ithaca. Yeah, the Ithaca 12 gauge with a pumpkin on the front sight. Take take that single shot 10 gauge out there. <laughs> oh, there I should go. shoot a gun. I should shoot a deer with that with the slug. Oh man, yeah, a sabotaged slug. Yeah, just send it flopping through the air. It'll be a knuckleball. Probably oh, miss. Man. Good shit. All right. Well, I think that's enough uh, prep talk 
for bow season. So good luck, boys, if anybody gets out, anybody besides us. Um, lots of good stuff coming up. We've got some some pretty solid episodes uh, coming up over the next couple months. Um, I see Jason's writing some new episodes in there. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, most recently, um, here in a couple weeks, we're going to have a guy named Garrett uh, Paquette. I think that's how you say his last name. He is actually a professional fisherman. He's he is or was on the elite bass fishing tour, like professional tour with Kevin Van Dam and those guys. Um, he's a guide out on St. Clair, but he's been fishing on this elite series for the last couple of years. So um, we snagged him. We're going to have him on um, and kind of talk about his his life and his career and bass fishing and professionally fishing. So I, I'm super excited about that. That'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, Captain Jason's working on getting us a uh, special guest to talk about some CWD. Obviously, that'll be a big topic uh, during the bow season. And then um, I've, we've got we're gonna have a, a cool episode about waterfall um, with another uh, wildlife biologist um, with the DNR who specializes in the waterfowl uh, kind of spectrum. So cool, cool. some good stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Um, a few other ones, and before you know it, we're gonna be talking about ice fishing because. Before you know it, that hard water is going to be freezing. Bob's going to be sleeping during those episodes because he could give a shit. I could give two shits. We might just tell him to just go to bed those nights, and Jason and I sit here and talk about ice fishing. Jimmy doesn't ice fish, right? We'll get you on the ice this year. I could use the extra You can sleep. catch musky through the ice. I'm going to have to be on the ice this year when we're <laughs> up in tip-up tip It's open all year long, right, Jason? Uh, there's some... Yeah. Where's your rule book? Uh, Where's my rule? Oh, it's upstairs. I Son changed of a loca- <laughs> I changed locations and I left my guide. Yeah. I think on the Great Lakes it's open all year long. It's catch and release all year. So I think it's catch and release all year, yeah. yeah. So I think you can technically ice fish. So you got time, Jimmy, to, to meet that bowl prediction before I make you uh, eat and, that hot ass chip. Need, you don't need anybody's boat to get you on some ice. Well, yeah, you chip, can go walking your ass my, on the St. Clair. I don't see myself eating the chip because I'm going to get the deer with my crossbow. We'll see. That's happening. Time will tell. But you got to catch them all. Time will yeah. tell. No, that's that's you do the polar plunge if you don't get both. I do need to make a correction. I fucked up. Okay. And on a previous episode I said that my wife m- met the first bowl prediction with catching her sturgeon. And that is a falsification because Bob's daughter, Bree, met her prediction back in May and Winya, and I totally forgot and didn't call it out, and she reminded me of it tonight. So my bad, Bree. Um, Bree actually met the first prediction. What was hers? Wolf, I think it was a catch a certain size pike in Winya. I do remember her doing it, and I totally forgot oh, to say something, so and then as soon as she said it, I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> it was either to catch a certain size pike or maybe it was a keeper pike or something i think it might have been a keeper yeah pike. so she doesn't have to eat the hot ass chip although i don't know if i'd put your kids through it i'll put your, you guys through it no my kids i thought you were about to say i'd put your kids through it and i thought you're pointing at me i'm like jesus my poor kids i might put my kids through it <laughs> oh my god yeah so lots of good stuff coming up uh super excited for that um i'm excited to get in the woods um and yeah hopefully we have some good stories of at least seeing some deer for next week's episode, um, at least some some sort, maybe a story of harvesting a deer and gutting it. Yeah, the fun gut job. Let's do it. Yeah. What do you guys got? 
Jason, I'm gonna let you go first because these assholes got some <laughs> stupid rootin' tootin' saying. Then I gotta edit it out, and it's just a lot of extra work. So, normally, Jason, you go first. Normally, I say. Normally, I say I got nothing, so I'll come up with something. That is that's I'm your saying, closing line. I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm pissed. We I got nothing. I'm pissed. We didn't do a snort. Well, next time you should bring it. All right. Be rootin', contribute. Be tootin', and by God, I, be shootin'. But above all, be kind. I think you just interrupted Jason's line. Jason doesn't have a line. He's thinking of no, one right now. He what, says I got funny, nothing. What's funny is I actually have been thinking, aside from the podcast, about the fact that in one year I'll be, okay, one year and two days, I'll be getting married. That's kind of crazy to oh, think about. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, we were we were going up to... I mean, you still got we time. We were going up to the UP. Yeah. <laughs> we were going up to the UP to this day last year, and that's when I was proposing. So it's kind of crazy that um, it's didn't, gone. Didn't you propose like on, like, Pictured Rocks or some shit? It, it wasn't Pictured Rocks. It was a place called Little Mountain, which is outside of Launce. Oh, okay. So, yeah, a year has gone by. And in that year, I've shot two bucks, caught a 46-inch musky trolling, broke my leg, missed a turkey, took you out salmon fishing where you were sick for two days straight. A lot's happened in a year. It's been a productive year. And I contribute all that success to the podcast because it's a year of not talking shit, even though we've been talking I also want to – I know know for a fact this is going to jinx me. I know it's going to, but I'm going to say it anyways. Are you predicting it? No, not a predicting. Not not a prediction. I'm actually reflecting on the fact that I've actually had some fishing trips where, like, things went okay. It's because you had so much bad go in the spring. You lost your whole spring. I had broken legs, boat problems, motor problems, bearing problems, Mm -hmm. and but you know what? Right at the ship, you the podcast going with us to Ludington. I've had three good trips at Ludington. I've had two good trips salmon fishing the river. We fished at the cabin Labor Day weekend and had a blast. Like it was like a dozen good trips without a problem. It feels amazing. I'm just, back on track. Just, just, it took me just half rub, year. rub it in. Pour salt in the wound. Do it. Okay. It is. It has uh, been. I mean, we'll do an episode and, and like reflect on the whole year. But in in reality, like it's been a pretty good year. Um, I contribute a lot of it to the podcast because it's forced me. Again, this is what I wanted to do: was force me to get the hell outside. We went on our Tequamanon trip, which we probably would have never Caught done. Caught and Tequamanon. If we, if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't know if we would have ever done it. Yeah, we caught a sturgeon finally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm I'm chalking it up to this podcast. Yeah, and that's why we're doing it. So. All right. So, um, as always, follow us on all of our social media: uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. All of them. Um, make sure you share this podcast too. Um, we're we're growing every week. We get more and more listeners. Uh, so thank you everybody who's telling your friends about it. Uh, make sure you share our posts. And uh, you know we're gonna have some some more giveaways for some swag and stuff. My wife's got some new designs coming out for the shirts and uh, koozies and things of that nature. So some new things in the work. We'll we'll get those posted. And um, I know a lot of people have asked us about like decal stickers for their boats and their cars and stuff like that um just shoot us a message terrible at gmail.com or hit us up on social media and we'll 
we'll get you some of that swag. So, all right, last chance, boys. Bob, just just do it. <laughs> Keep your legs crossed, your mind on Jesus. I like how we line up like hungry dogs to get our catchphrases out. <laughs> we just sit here quietly waiting with the anticipation. I'm like, are you done? Are you done talking? Oh, okay, I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> they're just like sitting here shaking like their 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 tails are wagging, which is weird. And <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It's not their Humans tails. don't have tails, but we do. <laughs> yeah, they have tails, so whatever. It's weird. Yeah. All right, boys. As always, get outdoors and don't be terrible.